Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Paperweight Entertainment Podcast. And tonight, at long last, it is Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you all. We are gathered together to bask in the glow and the light and the beauty of all that is Star Wars. All that is good in that galaxy far, far away. Tonight, I am joined by Mr. Trent Persinger. Trent, you excited to talk Star Wars? Hello there. Yes, I'm very excited, Derek. Happy May the 4th. General Kenobi. I can't do Grievous. We're also joined, of course, by Ian Torrance. Ian? Derek, it's a pleasure to be here again. Thank you. Happy May the 4th. Happy May the 4th to you as well. And joining us again, we're so happy to have him, Mr. Ian Wells. Ian, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. Happy Star Wars Day, people. Join the Empire, support the revolution. (laughs) Happy, Happy Star Wars Day to you all. As you all know, and I keep forgetting to say, my name is Derek Hoskins. I will be your host for this episode. Now, we're going to jump right into it. What we want to do on this Star Wars Day is we want to celebrate everything that we love about Star Wars. You know, there's a lot of negativity out there when it comes to Star Wars, a lot of toxicity in the fandom. And I want to take some time to just talk about what we love. And I want to start that off right now by talking about our favorite Star Wars movies. My favorite Star Wars movie is by far Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. I've always been a fan of Darth Vader, and I love the fact that uh, we get his origin story in that movie, uh, how he actually becomes Darth Vader. I love the uh, reveal of Palpatine being Sidious. I I remember that in the theater still, and just the feeling I got when I saw that. I love the reveal of Order 66 going down. It's one of the most epic Star Wars moments that there's ever been. And uh, just everything about that movie. Hayden Christensen, I never got the hate for him, but I love him as Anakin Skywalker. So yeah, Revenge of the Sith, that's my jam. Wow, favorite Star Wars movie. Um, that That is tough. Obviously, there's, there's Empire, which is the popular one because it's perfect. It's so great. I'm a big fan of Return of the Jedi. I, I, anything that involves a Sarlacc bit is is really cool by me. Um, but this is probably going to surprise a lot of people. Force Awakens, I absolutely loved. And it's one of my tops because obviously the first, the first ones that were made were, you know, all in the 70s. And I wasn't born yet as, you know, everybody in this little group. None of us were born yet. Uh, some of us were cutting it, cutting it kind of close, but uh, actually it was probably like ten years. Anyway, um, basically the reason I'm picking this one is because the, I, I was alive for the hype of this one. You know what I mean? Like every 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 promotion, every trailer, all the buzz. Um, I was able to live live that. And I feel like it lived up to the height. And a lot of people were like complaining because it, it was like, oh, it was like a retelling of a new hope, basically. It was just like, yeah, who cares? Like it was, it was still like it was fun, it was great. Um, I don't think you can really go go wrong with any Star Wars movie. Yeah, I said it, none of them. 
Uh, obviously, some are better than the other, uh, but my my pick is probably uh, or Force Awakens. I, I I actually really like Force Awakens. My favorite Star Wars movie is Solo. I thought the whole movie was fun. It was a little dark, but I thought it was the funnest of all of them. And I thought it had the coolest droid out of all of them. And I'm a big fan of the droids. Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi has always been and will always be my favorite Star Wars movie. I think that it's absolutely perfect in every way. When I think of Star Wars, the first image that comes to mind is Luke Skywalker on Jabba's sail barge with his green lightsaber ignited against that Tatooine sky, his hair blowing in the breeze. Everything about that movie, from beginning to end, Vader's journey, Luke's journey, the discoveries that you make along the way that Leia is Luke's sister, the epic space battle at the end, cut in with the ground battle on Endor, all culminating with that incredible lightsaber fight between Vader and Luke in the throne room in front of the most evil villain in all of film history, Emperor Palpatine. I love that movie in every way, shape, and form. I would gush about Return of the Jedi for all time. I understand when people say that Empire Strikes Back is their favorite. I can understand what they're saying. I understand the allure of that movie. But for me... The pinnacle of Star Wars filmmaking is Return of the Jedi. My favorite Star Wars movie, and I'm surprised that I think I'm the only one in our group to say this. I think everyone's picked a different movie so far, which is kind of surprising, but I'm going with the obvious choice of The Empire Strikes Back. I mean, honestly, I love them all, all the original ones and the prequels, and it's hard to pick just one, but I'm going with The Empire Strikes Back. For the same reason that I'd say the majority of Star Wars fans love it. It was just everything awesome about the first one just turned up another notch. It was darker. It was more emotional. If nothing else, the introduction of Yoda alone was awesome. I love how Luke goes off on his own and starts his Jedi training. Um, Lando and Cloud City. The big, you know, the big moment of I am your father, you know, even though it's a twist that everybody knows at this point it still hits really hard when you watch it it's really emotional so yeah i'm gonna go with empire strikes back as my favorite star wars movie thankfully we live in a time where the prequels are not lauded as the worst thing to ever happen to star wars and people have started to come around to the fact that those are actually excellent movies so i want to take some time and talk about what george lucas got right when he was doing the prequels and and what has aged so well over time so i want to start off with uh, with ian wells i know that ian uh you're a big fan of the prequels revenge of the sith is your favorite star wars movie and one thing that i know you enjoy about that is hayden christensen so i want to start off with what about hayden christensen's performance in the prequels did you really think that he did well what did what did you like the most about it uh, I thought that he did a great job of just capturing the emotion of the character and the uh, development of him being a young Jedi to embracing the dark side. Yeah, one thing that uh, that I thought he did really well that I don't know that a lot of people picked up on is if you listen to Vader's cadence and his talking, his his voice inflections, the way that he speaks in the original trilogy and you go back and you look at Hayden Christensen's performance in attack of the clones and revenge of the Sith. He kind of starts to mirror those, those cadences because James Earl Jones has a really specific way of speaking. He doesn't try to mimic his voice, 
but the pauses that he would put in the the speech patterns. Trent, what about you? I, I know that you're not a, a prequel hater. Did you did you like Hayden Christensen in in the prequels? And if you didn't at the time, do you like him better now over time? Not only am I not a prequel hater, I'm a prequel lover. <laughs> not a prequel fighter either. I'm a prequel lover. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I never had a problem with Hayden Christensen. You know, if you want to give any criticism at all, you know, don't necessarily blame the acting. You could blame the dialogue that he was given. You know, we could all agree the dialogue was probably one of the weaker points of the prequels, but I thought him as an actor was fine. People, I think it, what it is is Anakin Skywalker is such a, or Darth Vader at, at the time, even though he was Anakin Skywalker still, but Darth Vader was such an iconic character going into those movies that I really don't know that you could have put anyone in that role and they wouldn't have been criticized in some form. So I think it was just kind of the, almost the misfortune of having that big of a role on your shoulders, that why he got so much hate. But no, I didn't have a problem with him. I thought he did an excellent job and, and kind of like piggybacking off of what Ian said a little bit. Not only did he show that, like that embrace of the dark side, I thought he did a good job of just showing just that darkness within him the whole time. Like even when he was still, like when he first showed up in Attack of the Clones, throughout that movie how he kind of you know he would butt heads with obi-wan a lot and he just kind of had this sort of defiant attitude about him a little bit and he just kind of had this darkness within him that i thought really helped him leading helped lead him to become darth vader down the line yeah and like you were saying with how people reacted to the character because it's so you know it's an iconic character of darth vader you know i think that he got a lot of a lot of the brunt of that but the one that made me really sad was how they reacted to jake lloyd as Annika, how people, <laughs> how people just bullied that poor kid to no end to the point where he's had like a, a mental break and, you know, he's had a really, really rough go of it, which is, is ridiculous, but you know, people can get so, so focused in on what they want to see that when it's not what they wanted to see, they, they can't enjoy it at all. But before we get going on that topic, cause that'll take us down a rabbit hole, uh, Ian Torrance, you know, what did you think about Hayden Christensen since we're talking about since he's a big, a big divisive part of the prequels. I, uh, I didn't mind Aiden Christensen. I think that he got a lot of, like you guys are saying, backlash, <clears throat> excuse me, for uh, the backlash. A lot of things I heard about him, the, the complaint was like, he was too whiny, which I thought was silly because if you, if you watch, if you watch the first Star Wars, like Luke is very whiny. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was gonna go to Toshi Station, like <laughs> Uncle you. Owen, Uncle Owen. Like he was very whiny, and I didn't hate him for it. So I don't know what how you can complain about one character being whiny and 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 love the other one. So I guess it's not really Luke's fault. Apparently, he gets it from his father at the bitchy tone of his voice. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I didn't think he was that bad. I think Jake Lloyd wasn't terrible as well and as far as like you saying like he, he you feel like he was kind of bullied out out of out of like jobs and stuff like he he got a turbo man i think he was fine it wasn't that he was bullied out of jobs it was that he was bullied bullied by the fans like he 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 famously stopped acting because he never wanted to be an actor in the first place he was kind of pushed into that by his parents but he he was bullied bullied by fans of star wars to the point where he really had a hard time and, uh, you know, if you want to talk about bullying by Star Wars fans, look at what happened to uh, Ahmed Best for Jar Jar. I mean, he he came out a couple yeah. of years ago 
talking about because of how awful it was at the time he had contemplated suicide. I mean, he even went to a bridge with the idea that he was going to going to end it all because of whiny people online that just couldn't enjoy a kid's movie. I just don't, I, I don't understand it, but that brings me all, to the next. I was just going to say real quick. Can we all agree that the, the, it's the loud minority that makes up all the toxic star Wars bullies. And then I really think that the majority of us are all really actually pretty cool dudes. Yeah. All this toxicity, seem, I think misrepresents us like as a, a fan base. Yeah. It does seem like it's a vocal minority that, just you know we're, we live in the age of social media where everyone has a voice whether that person should have a voice or not and um you know people have no ramifications for what they say and how it affects another human being and i i think you're right i think it's a bunch of whiny fans that want star wars one way and refuse to have it seen any other way and we saw this with the sequels also you know they refuse to accept the fact that maybe the story is going to go in a way that they don't like and they get mad about it and uh, if you, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. And, and that should be the extent of it. But to get on and like bully these people and be like, oh, this was a terrible. You should be ashamed of yourself that you ruined Star Wars. All right. Chill out. Go eat some cheeses. Calm down. <laughs> have a Coke and a smile. It's going to be OK. Go back and watch what you like. You don't have to sit there and cut down everybody else for liking something that you don't like. If you don't like it and you want to debate about it, state your opinion like we're doing right now on a podcast. Don't bully people into quitting their jobs or life in general. Right. Because you didn't like something. It's not that deep. It's fine. It's it's going to be okay. I promise. So chill out and just go back and watch the, the version that you like. Just like you know, when when uh, Force Awakens came out, people were starting to get excited again. And then each one that came out after that, people were just trashing it. Ah, oh, they're ruining it. No, you're ruining it for the ones of us that like it. So ch- chill. <laughs> chill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's something that people need to understand. And what I was going to say with going into down that rabbit trail is that I think a big problem with with fans is that they get this idea in their head of what they want to what they want to see and what they think the story is going to be. You know, when <clears throat> excuse me, I apologize for clearing my throat so much. I really have something stuck there. I think that going into the prequels, so many people thought, okay, well, this is our chance. We're going to see Darth Vader rounding up Jedi, killing everybody, this big Jedi purge. We're going to see Vader just blah, 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 blah. Everything's going to be dark and gritty. And that wasn't the story that George Lucas wanted to tell. He wanted to tell the story of a good man going bad. That's why he started with such a young character, because you can't think of a young, innocent child sometime or at some point becoming one of the most evil characters in all of storytelling. And so I think that a biggest, the biggest problem with the prequels is that people came in with their preconceived notions. And then when it wasn't what they wanted, they pouted and complained. So I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Ian uh, Wells, what do you think? Do you think it was a lot of preconceived notions that people came in with and were upset when the story didn't, didn't go the way that they wanted it to go? Absolutely. And uh, the toxic behavior, I believe, is people finding more stuff to complain about whereas me as a star wars fan i feel like i can find something to enjoy in every star wars movie even if it's not the greatest movie uh i still find something fun about it and right. i see people i'm i'm a member of quite a few uh star wars pages on facebook and you'll see people bashing other people all the time because they like something they didn't but why don't give somebody a hard time just because they like something that you don't 
Yeah, it's all it's all subjective. Film and art and all of these things, everything's subjective. So if something hits for me and it doesn't hit for you, that doesn't mean that I'm an idiot. It just means right. I have a different taste. I think a lot of it, since we're talking about the prequels, is now this isn't airtight by any means, but I think a lot of it in my my theory is that so all the people that grew up with the original Star Wars movies that came out in the 70s and 80s, you know, most of those were kids. Because let's be honest, George Lucas made these movies for kids. Not saying you can't enjoy them as adults. Obviously, a lot of adults do, and we're all adults and still enjoy them. But I think he made them originally with the intent to be kids' movies. And so all these younger kids that saw them originally in the theaters, it was like nothing they'd ever seen before, you know, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they grow up, and then 20, however many years it was later, 27 years later? 22 22 years later. 83 to 99. That's 16. Wow, I was thinking 77 to 99. (laughs) Anyway, a period of time later, all these kids have grown up now, and they all hate the prequels. And, you know, maybe they were envisioning something else, whatever. But I think it's because George Lucas still made kids' movies. That's why Jar Jar was a big part of episode one. You could and even why say he was supposed, why... supposed to be a big part of the whole trilogy. He backed off of Jar Jar a lot because of all the yeah, hate that Ahmed got. And you know what? Look what's happening now. The prequels aren't so bad now. People like them. There's this newfound respect for them. You don't know why? Because all the people that saw them were kids and we're all grown up now. Yeah. And we all have always loved them. And that's what's happening again with the sequel movies. Everyone's hating on them. Which I'll be honest, I'm not going to get too much into it. I'm not the biggest lover of the sequels, but that's a different discussion for a different day. But anyway, we've all grown up and no one likes the sequels now because we grew up with our own version of Star Wars and they're making them for a newer audience. Again, I'm not saying that you can't be an adult and you can't go enjoy Star Wars. It's not a perfectly airtight theory, but that's what I've always thought. No, it's it's not it's it's not an airtight theory, but it's it's a very true statement because what happens with film fans and with with fans in general of of any medium that's an entertainment medium, when you like something as a kid, you want it and it continues because you've matured as a person, you expect that material to mature as well. Mm-hmm. And so the people that hate the prequels so much, a lot of times were that older fan. Now, <clears throat> just to put it out there, we're four millennials here talking about Star Wars. None of us were alive when the original series came out. I was born in 85. Return of the Jedi came out two years before I was born. So we're children of the special editions is what we are and yes. the, the prequels. Yeah. So we were in a position growing up to enjoy these movies more so than the people that were children before, you know, during the original trilogy that grew up, like Trent was saying, where now they want to see this dark, gritty version of Star Wars where, like I said, Darth Vader is just killing Jedi. And we got that in Revenge of the Sith. We got the Jedi Purge, and it was a heartbreaking scene. And then we got Rogue One. But, you know, it it was really disheartening at the time to see so many Star Wars fans really hating on the prequels. And I'm so, so glad that they are getting the respect that they deserve because there's a lot in the prequels to like. Just like the original trilogy, the prequels brought in brand new innovative technology you know jar jar was the first photorealistic character that was a main character there was incredible model work being done early blue screen uh work being done on those movies and the most important thing ever that we got from the prequels is ewan mcgregor as obi-wan kenobi because obi-wan kenobi is hands down my favorite character and ewan mcgregor was perfect in all three of those movies 
episodes, well, two and then three being one of some of the first all digitally filmed movies. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, episode two, I think, was the Just first movie filmed completely. Yeah. I think it was the first one that was completely filmed digitally because George Lucas was all about pushing the the boundaries and going forward. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they 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 did a lot, and they were they were really innovative, and they were new, and they were fresh, and it was a new story, even though it was something that you know we all knew how it was going to end. It was going to end with Anakin turning to Darth Vader. It was going to end with tragedy, but they still found a way to make it fun and entertaining and innovative, all the same. Ian Torrance, you haven't got to say anything for a little while. Do you want to heap praises on Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan, or do you want to break my heart and say that you didn't like him? I feel like I ranted there for a minute. That's why I was trying to keep quiet for a little bit. Um, yeah, I loved Ewan McGregor as uh, Obi-Wan. I thought he was perfect as well. I, I didn't think they could have picked a better person. I thought he was I thought he was spot on perfect. And I'm glad that he's continuing to do uh, more projects moving forward. And I'm glad he enjoys the character so much that he wants to keep doing it. And then he's just he's so enthralled with this character. I think that's pretty cool as well. Yeah, I cannot cannot wait for the Kenobi series on Disney Plus. That is my most anticipated project coming up. I, I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. I think even the most hateful of prequel haters can still all agree that Ewan McGregor was one of the best things to come out of the prequels. Oh that yeah, just tells you right there how awesome he is. And I'm excited that Hayden Christensen's coming back for that, but I don't know exactly how he's coming back in what capacity. But I don't either. But I'm glad I'm he's going to be there. He's going to be there. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. So Wells, being the uh, the dark side member of our crew here, what do you think about uh, what's that supposed to mean? What yeah, do you think what, about? What do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> if only they could see us. If yeah, for anybody that isn't aware of what's going on, this is three white guys and Ian Wells. Who is whoa, whoa, whoa. Not what does that mean? Guy. What does that mean? <laughs> that means the alternate name for our podcast, too. I think <laughs> three white guys, three white guys, and Ian Wells. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> now, for anybody that doesn't know, Ian Wells is Filipino. <laughs> <sighs> I'm the token black guy. I wasn't gonna say it, I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> that is whack. The former token black guy. I think it's important, though, to uh, give credit to the prequels for the new style of lightsaber duels that we got to see. Uh, yeah. Starting with episode one. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. The uh, the lightsaber fights were incredible. The, the best of the series. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Shout out to Ray Park for his are we gonna double talk about blade. Our... What's up? I was going to say, are we going to talk about our favorite lightsaber duels? Is that part of the agenda? Or no. We... Oh, okay. Was... was it on the itinerary, Trent? You know, I don't remember. I'm sorry. You you complain. Are you that, going back and checking? Right he is. Now? Trent Trent complains every time I ask him to rate rate something, and then every time we get on here, are we going to talk about our favorite this? Are we going to talk about our favorite that? Yeah, I don't like don't doing ask, it, but don't I think ask it makes me to rate content. <laughs> Just because I don't like it doesn't mean it doesn't make for good podcasts. Yeah, we'll we'll do that right after uh, Wells tells us about what he was going to say. You were shouting out Ray Parks. Yeah, just for. His work with uh, the Darth Maul character and that episode one, when he ignited that second blade out of his lightsaber, I, I believe the whole world collectively went crazy over that. They did. I was so, so sad that they spoiled that in a trailer. I think that would have been amazing if it was shown in, in, in the theater for the first time. 
See, trailers were different back then. I don't really remember seeing it. Oh, gosh. I remember that trailer. Oh, well, yeah, crazy. trailer, and he was just like slow-mo. Just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that. but Darth Maul was such a fun villain because he was he was a really scary villain. You know, I know that a lot of people think that Vader was this terrifying presence, but if you just look at the character, like if I just saw a guy in all black, I'm not necessarily going to be as scared as I see somebody like Darth Maul that looks like the literal devil with the red and black face and the horns and just True. he doesn't say anything, just being creepy. I mean, I know he says a little bit. But anyway, Trent brought up a good point. We weren't going to to rank our our favorite lightsaber battles but why don't we throw that in we'll do that right now since i think that most of them are going to come from the uh, prequel trilogy so trent you brought it up so top three top three lightsaber battles over over the entire saga over the entire saga you don't have to you (laughs) wanted to rate it you wanted to i actually had a favorite i was actually ready to throw that answer out and then you hit me with a top three and i gotta (laughs) think of two more (laughs) you should have this ready it is star wars day sir i know well, my favorite is Duel of the Fates from Episode 1, obviously. Mm-hmm. The 2v1 fight, the double-bladed lightsaber, the just the, you know jumping up and down from the different levels of those catwalks and all the friggin' just... It was so intense. The music, John Williams, amazing as usual. Um, so that's definitely number one. Uh, gosh, number two. See, now I'm thinking like all like animation and everything i'm trying to just keep it just to the movies but um i guess number two would probably be luke and vader and empire strikes back and then number three ooh, it's prop it's it's a tie either between luke and vader round two or obi-wan and, and anakin in episode three but i'm sure those will be on your guys's list so i'll leave it at that all right ian torrance what about you man top three lightsaber battles my list was pretty close to Trent's, honestly. The um, <clears throat> Luke and Vader, the not the first one, the second, the second time. Um, so in Jedi, yeah, yeah, the, in the first, throne room. The first one didn't go too well. Um, so yeah, the second one, he tried and, his and, best. And, and, yeah, and Return of <laughs> the Jedi. Yeah, <laughs> now liar. <laughs> Is that what he yelled? Um, so anyway, yeah, that one, and then Anakin and Obi Wan, obviously. That's that's this is in no order, by the way. That one, right. and then the Darth Maul fighting, you know, both of them, I thought was really cool because of it, the double bladed lightsaber, obviously, that we've been talking about, and the fact that one guy was taking on two Jedi at the same time. But let's let's not forget, Mister, like four lightsabers at the same time, but still. <laughs> yeah but he wasn't a force user so that was just that was still a cool gimmick. fight it was a that, cool fight but that's i, I like that uh even even with four lightsabers and fun mechanical spinny arms <laughs> it's no no match for the force with a jedi master especially true. obi-wan kenobi because he's amazing ian wells what about you buddy <laughs> top three uh okay number one for me would be <laughs> obi-wan and uh anakin at the end of revenge of the sith uh, number two, I'm going to give that to Duel of the Fates as well. And then number three, I'm going to go with another Revenge of the Sith duel, which would be between uh, Emperor Palpatine and Yoda. 
that's a, that's a solid list. Some of mine are the same on there, but I'll, I I do have one to throw throw in. Number one all time because it comes from my favorite movie, and the emotions from it is uh, the throne room fight between Vader and and Luke. That's the first time we see a lightsaber be thrown, which I thought was awesome. You know, it looks a little silly, you know, now after seeing that in the in the prequels and everything. But uh, that one's always my number one. Nothing's topped it yet. My number three is, no, I'm sorry. My number two would be Duel of the Fates because it's just incredible that all three of them together, and the fact that you know, let me let me think. That came out in '99, so I'd have been four, almost 14 years old when that came out in May, and so I was 13 years old watching that for the first time. I mean, that's like prime Star Wars age right there, just to have my mind blown. But number three. Uh, that I was surprised nobody nobody talked about that first time seeing Yoda fight Yoda fighting Dooku on Geonosis I thought was awesome just seeing that little green lightsaber whip around and just a blur of motion and screams True. Frank Oz doing the Lord's work with nah! <laughs> <laughs> real quick yeah. being the uh, rule breaker that I am I want to give a quick honorable mention just to give some love to the animated properties uh, I don't Obi-Wan, like ranking things Obi-Wan versus uh, I think Maul and Savage Oppress was an awesome fight, and then Ahsoka versus Darth Maul, and cl- both from Clone Wars were both which, awesome. Duels. Which one, the Savage Oppress and Maul versus Kenobi? Are you talking about the one with uh, Asajj Ventress or the one with um, Oh Adigalia, where she gets killed? The other Jedi gets killed at the beginning of it. I think I'm thinking of Asa- the Asajj one. Because the Asajj one is the one where she uh, he has to use one of her lightsabers. Yeah, I think that's the one I'm thinking of. They're both fantastic. I was just curious which one you which one you meant. Anybody else have honorable mentions since Transfer Rule Breaker? I've got one uh, from Clone Wars: uh, Darth Maul versus Sidious. Yeah, that was a good one too. I almost said that one. Good job. That was that 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 whole that whole storyline of Maul on Mandalore was excellent. Yeah, it was. I like uh, the fight with. Ray and Kylo Ren, like I thought they had some good lightsaber fights. I mean, they, I don't think there's necessarily a bad one. You know what I mean? I don't think it was one. I was just like, oh god, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, since going off of the uh, the honorable mentions, there talking about the Clone Wars, that's another thing that I think really helped the prequels age over time is how how good of a job they did with that series. That was the first animated series that they did that was just really well done you know we we talked about it before we started recording we talked about some of the like the ewok movies and things like that you know some of the vintage collection that they just put onto onto disney plus and those cartoons were not good back in the late 80s and early 90s you know droids and ewoks and and so the clone wars did a lot of work towards legitimizing the prequels for people that didn't like them because they got to spend a little more time with Anakin. The quality was better or the quality was great of the animation. The stories were a lot of fun. They did a lot of work on making people enjoy the clones. Um, So I think that the clone wars needs to be put on a pretty high pedestal for the work that it did for helping the prequels age the way that they have. Uh, maybe I'm crazy and that's just my opinion, but I really think that I, I think the Clone Wars was a pretty necessary part for the for the prequels to gain the respect that they've gained over the years. I agree with that. Absolutely. I've watched Revenge of the Sith uh I don't know, 
probably more than I've ever watched any movie in my entire life. But recently, probably, I don't know, a few months ago, I went through and watched the entire Clone Wars series again. And then I watched Revenge of the Sith directly after watching the last episode of the Clone Wars. And it really just hits different when you can put all that together like that. Yeah, it does. Especially, I think that the um, the Purge, the Order 66 scenes had a little more weight because we've seen, you know, seven seasons now of the clones and the Jedi being friends and, and being comrades and, and to see them yeah. turn so quickly on the Jedi, it makes it that much more heartbreaking. Yeah. And then to see the Jedi have to like, you know, what Yoda and Obi-Wan are just taking clones out at the steps of the temple when they go back to the temple and return of the or in revenge of the Sith. And so it, it adds a little, an extra layer to it that they're, you know, those were friends that they're, having to kill sure yeah that was so sad anyway but yeah then adding all that on top of it it was like oh my god I, i've never watched any of those i'm sorry i need to go back and watch clone wars yes we need you to do that boo I'll this man i will watch them all with you again it, it, I, I know i'm disappointed in myself no there's nothing to be disappointed and that was another thing that happened that when clone wars came out because the prequels didn't do as well it didn't have a lot of traction and also the the movie that they put out in theaters was probably the worst bit of clone wars that they that they had available at the time because i remember even even me who I, I love everything star wars i remember walking out of watching that clone wars movie thinking uh oh, I, I don't know that's that doesn't seem like it's going to be something i'm going to watch and it took me a couple of years i think they were three or four seasons in before i finally started watching the clone wars because of that so you didn't you're like not alone guy Oh, good lord! We're we're staying positive on this <laughs> podcast, so I don't want to talk about Snips and R two E and Sky Guy and Stinky the Hut. <laughs> what in God's name were they thinking putting that out as the first one? When in that first season, there were much better storylines they could have discussed and put out in theaters. So I don't know what they were thinking. Ian, uh, watching Rebels, I feel like we'll give you a brand new appreciation for. People like Ahsoka and Bo-Katan showing up on The Mandalorian as well. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with uh, watching these things and having an open mind and, and appreciating these characters more. I just haven't done it because I'm filling my head with the useless things in my spare time. <laughs> That's all right. You'll get around to it eventually. Although I do have to say, I think that Rebels was the superior show overall. Rebels is amazing. I think it so was what, a better so, so which one do I start with? I would start with Clone Wars just because it, the characters that you're going to meet in Rebels, you're going to have a better understanding of them if you've already watched Clone Wars because there's quite a few Clone Wars characters that show up in Rebels. Trenton just disagreed. Really? Eric knows that. I like Rebels, but I think Clone Wars is the better show. We can agree to disagree, but I can understand why you would like it. See, the reason why I like Rebels better than Clone Wars is because I like the serialized story. I like that it's in order from beginning to end, whereas Clone Wars <clears throat> is all over the place chronologically, where you have to actually yeah. go online and look up a, a watch order in order to see it. Well, yeah, that's kind of annoying, but that's but they do all, deal more in shorter story arcs, that's for sure. Like three they do. Story arcs. They do. And also the, my, my issue with Clone Wars, and again, this is a nitpick issue. I love Clone Wars. Don't I don't want anybody getting the idea that I that I don't care for it. But part of the issue i have with it is that you know george lucas when he was doing clone wars was using that as a space to test out some of his really wild ideas for storytelling 
And some of them just didn't land with me, like Mieber Gascon and the uh, the droids going off for like five episodes driving across the desert with this little Listen, tiny that, little that tiny frog man. Arc is is widely uh, I don't know if panned is the right word, but I feel like most people would say it's their least favorite arc from the Clone Wars, and I could certainly get behind it. It's the one that I kind of have to struggle to force myself through when I watch it, but that arc was responsible for one of the better episodes where we finally got to see was it Gregor? Which clone was it that they find in the cafe? And he yeah, it was Gregor. That that ending, and I won't spoil too much of it, but that yeah, was the, that storyline with Gregor was excellent. That was, that was peak Clone Wars. Uh, I loved the droids getting their hero moments and a little bit of spotlight good i'm glad it worked for you man it's just the it's it's the one that it went on a little too long but i will say that some of my favorite all-time star wars moments have come from the clone wars that gathering arc where ahsoka takes the padawans to uh or not padawans they're younglings at the time when ahsoka takes the younglings to ilum to get their first kyber crystals that's my favorite episode of Clone Wars. I've watched that more times than I could count. I just think it's excellent. And I love the I love Gunji, little Wookiee Jedi. <clears throat> we need more Wookiee Jedi. And Ian, I know you haven't watched Clone Wars yet, but do you have an idea why Ahsoka doesn't consider herself a Jedi? No. Okay. Well, we won't get too much into that then because <laughs> you no, kind of we'll- need to watch it. Yeah, you need to watch it. We'll move on past that though, so we can get into something that Ian can talk about. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about how Star Wars has had a presence in the video game world. They've been around for a very long time. They've had some excellent games. They've had some stinkers, even though they were all fun. Did anybody play Masters of Terrakasi or Terrakasi, the fighting game, the Star Wars fighting game? Was that on Wii? No, this was on like PlayStation 1. No, I didn't play that. Maybe PlayStation 2, but I'm pretty sure it was PlayStation <laughs> 1. It was an abysmal game that I played way too much of. But thankfully, most of the Star Wars games that I've played have been excellent. So, Ian Torrance, you're our uh, you're our resident gamer. Get yourself up here. Oh god. Here I am. What do you want to know? What's your favorite Star Wars game? Knights of the Old Republic, hands down, easily. First Uh, one? Yes. I I like the second one. Right. But I love the first one. The second one, I didn't didn't get a chance to play um, all the way through. Uh, When it first came out, I I played about a quarter of a way into it. And you're talking years ago, so I can't remember what happened. But... um, Excuse me, I think Derek's kind of rubbing off on me and the clearing the throat thing. But based, so I I played the first one all the way through, loved it. I'm not a turn based fan by any means, but I, I like that style of turn based. And then the second one, I uh, I didn't until a few years ago. I started getting back into it, and I I had troubles with my original Xbox, so um, I had to stop unfortunately but i'm i'm gonna try to dive back into it again uh it's fun it's not as good as the first one but it's still really fun so the stories the stories are great on both of them i mean i i I could sit there and and rant all day about star wars games yeah i know there there have been some good ones star wars uh the old republic or not knights of the old republic not the old republic 
Yeah, that's the that one is yeah, that's okay. The, yeah, that, that's the computer one. That's not that's the online one. Didn't yeah, yeah. That's I the, downloaded that's the both MMO. of those games on my Kindle Fire recently. I can't wait to get into them. I got into the first one a little bit, and I really do like it. I'm like you; I don't really care a lot for turn-based games, but I'm really enjoying that from what I've played so far. Yeah, the story is what's so excellent. And Knights, Knights of the, of the Old Republic, Republic or the Old Republic? Knights of the Old Republic. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, Knights of the Old Republic has got a, a mobile app, and it, it is the the storyline is is great. It keeps you keeps you going throughout. And I don't care for turn-based a lot of times either. But it, the way that they did the turn-based, it's not as it's not as noticeable. It's well, not like a Final Fantasy version of like way of turn based. It's more like tabletop gaming where it's a dice right, roll. Right. But there was still like a lot of customization going on, like with your lightsabers, and you could find different crystals and and make your own colors. And you could you can make a you can make a uh double bladed lightsaber. You could dual dual wield lightsabers to where like each hand had a lightsaber in it and you had perks for that. Um it was it was really fun. I loved it. And they even had like, I don't know if you remember this, Derek, but they had what was called regular lightsabers, then short lightsabers. Yeah. Yeah. Like a short sword or like, yeah. Yeah. But it was was the same premise, just shorter, but there was perks to having that as well. So, um, yeah. Trent, did you ever play those games or you're, you're familiar with them? I'm sure. But did you ever play them? Don't take my Star Wars card, but no, I have never played Knights of the Old Republic. All right. Well, there'll be a man showing up to your house in the next five I'm minutes. to admit it, but I was never, uh, I never had an Xbox, and it was on PC too, right? Or was yeah. It? Yes. I was never a PC gamer, so I just yes. I don't think it was on like PlayStation or anything. I think it was. I don't think it was either. It's probably why Xbox. I never played it. If I'd had an Xbox, I probably would have, but I never had an Xbox. Well, so so can you can you turn base at all? Like, or, or are you just like so dead set against turn based games? Oh, I don't think that would bother me one way or the other. Especially yeah, well, then I I way. think you would have loved it. Then the story was cool, and it was one of like one of the first, not the first game, but it was like when when the choice in games like different choices became popular that that would uh, that would reflect the out outcome of the story so you yeah. could pick your own dialogue and stuff and it's, it was very fallout like so yeah i've heard many great things about it and i know a little about it. i just i never have played it fortunately sure they did a really good job of remastering it on the new app so i recommend you download it on your tablet and give it a try i'll have to do that yeah it's worth a play it, it the story alone like even if you don't care for the combat the the turn-based combat and you know the graphics are a little dated but the story still holds up it's got a lot of choice. It's got a lot of choice in it of how you want to play your character, how you want to how you want it to go. It's kind of a choose your choose your own adventure video game. There's it's a lot a, of fun. So you can you can basically make all kinds of choices in this game. So there's side quests you can do. Then there's the main quest, obviously. But what I'm getting at it here is when you go to your character menu, there's there's a meter that goes toward the light side, the dark side. And the background will either reflect like like a bright blue or like a really dark red. And your character will pose based on that as well. So, you know, if he's a hero, he'll have his head, up, you know, his chin up and he'll look proud. And if if you're like Ian and you choose to do more dark side things because you're you're an asshole, <laughs> you <laughs> as, as he rubs his fingers together. Um, 
you know, look like dark and stoic and creepy and whatnot, and uh, look like, you know, they should have a hood on. So, yeah, man. And there's like this weird fog coming out. See, I'm getting excited about this. I want to play this now. But <laughs> each, each, each action you take will reflect on whether you're good or bad. And that, that actually uh, helps toward, you know, the outcome of the story as well. So there's there's different scenarios that point to different different endings and stuff like that. I mean, it's same the same base ending pretty much, but there's different ways it plays out. And I just thought it was a really cool concept. Uh, I like those type of games anyway. Like I'm a huge Mass Effect fan, and then I'm a huge Star Wars fan, obviously too. Uh, so if you incorporate the two styles into one game, I mean, I'm sold. So I, I I spent countless hours in the Knights of the Old Republic, man, and and I was doing the same thing to Knights of the Old Republic too before my Xbox took a took a poo on me. But I want to get it fixed because um I want to finish I want to finish Knights of the Old Republic because I was in a spot, guys, where I had just got my lightsaber back, and nothing hypes you up more in a, in a Star Wars game than getting your lightsaber for the first time, and then I'm and then it just, it's it's done. <laughs> so I've got those. I don't I actually don't own the first one, I just own the second one. Jedi Jedi Academy. I have that one. And then uh the other one, Jedi Outcast. Yeah. I own both of those. I was playing through Jedi Academy, which I think Outcast is tech that one's before this one, I think, technically. Yeah, Outcast was, was before Jedi Academy. So I decided just to go through Jedi Academy first, just because when I was younger and it first came out, um Jedi Academy was the new thing, so I started playing that. So it's weird that I'm playing it backwards, but you know, I guess it won't really matter unless I get my Xbox fix. But I think they've like they've remastered them and re-released them recently too, where you can download them on the yeah, PlayStation bought, Network. I yeah, think. I bought them on PlayStation. They're they're cheap to get on there. We're gonna move on and let somebody else answer the question about their favorite video game. I told you, man. We got Ian to wake up. If if you if you want to get me going, get me going on that, but the now passion you, this episode needs. <laughs> yes. All right, well Trent, and, and then and then you cut me down at the knees and tell me I have to shut up. No, don't shut up. I just want I, you can have the Not same passion you, as people, yeah. but shut up. <laughs> but shut up. <laughs> but shut up. No, you I'd can still have that nothing same passion with Jedi going. <laughs> <sighs> You can kick him out of the party. <laughs> All right, Trent. Um, I know that you haven't played Knights of the Old Republic, so we'll at least get a different answer out of you. What's your favorite Star Wars video game? I guess I'll go with the original Star Wars Battlefront 2. They're both great, both originals. But I'd go with the original number 2. It's my favorite. I played the heck out of that game. Yeah, I played a lot of that one too. I love the Dagobah um, map. I always thought that one was a lot of fun. See, they were, they were all right. I, why I is that true? Great. Why is what? I said, why is that your favorite game? I'm not questioning you. I just want you to elaborate on it a little more. But at uh, the same time, explain yourself. <laughs> well, I I just I played it a lot. Um, I love the uh, the. What I want to say it like they had this mode called I think Conquest, which is where you would go from planet to planet, and basically try and win over the planet by battling i just thought that was a cool game style and i don't know just putting your putting yourself in like the trenches of like a war game but as clone troopers and stormtroopers i just thought it's a really neat idea and two was also the one where you got to play as the jedi and sith characters or well just the hero characters there were yeah jedi and sith 
But I really liked one a lot too. But I feel like two is the one I played more and I have more memories of. I like two better. Yeah, two was the better of the the original battle. Of course, two is the better of the new Battlefront games as well. But yeah, playing as the hero characters, like I, I loved running around as Vader in that old Battlefront <laughs> two game. It was so much fun to just destroy people with Vader. I loved Yoda because he was so fast. Yoda was fast. He was really quick. And I remember while we were playing it, you know, a group of friends and I were playing playing that, and I kept giving them random Star Wars facts until they got annoyed. As another honorable mention, and I don't know how this game is viewed. But you're all about honorable wider, mentions tonight, you cheater. From a wider perspective, but just because I played the crap out of it also, I loved the um, Phantom Menace game on PlayStation 1. Oh my god, the Phantom Menace game was so boring and fun at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was a little kid. It probably didn't take much to entertain me at the time. Hardly would call myself a hardcore gamer, even though you know I played a lot of games as a kid. But I just I don't know why I had it and I just played it through and I loved that game. That game was a lot of fun because it was it was 3D. It was what was that? It was on it was PlayStation One. It yeah. was yeah, PS1. PlayStation One. It was kind of boring at times too, because some <laughs> parts were either too hard to figure out or something i don't remember but episode one clunky. it was episode clunky. one had the best games of all of the all of the movies tie-ins because that episode one game was really fun to play through the story and get to kind of go off on your own like i remember going and exploring Gunga, you know the gungan city yeah and thinking that just having my mind blown by the graphics in that game <laughs> and looking back at it now it's really 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 goofy Horrible. and pixelated and really bad but at the time i remember being like it's like i'm in the movie but not only that then you had uh jedi power battles which was so crazy and fun and ridiculous and I vaguely remember that one and then of course the the one that is amazing the the best one from episode one is racer that pod racing game i remember that that yeah i remember that birthday because like i said my i was my birthday's in July and the movie came out in May. And so I remember for the, my birthday that year, I got a Nintendo 64 and it was the, the bundle where it came with star Wars episode one racer. And I played that game every day, all day. And I loved it. I loved it. Not my favorite one, but I loved it. I thought that, um, I thought that the episode one had the best movie tie in games. It was pretty great. Ian Wells, what about you, man? Well, as our resonant dark side dweller, that's the easy choice for me, and that's going to be the first Force Unleashed game. First game was excellent. That first yes. Force Unleashed was so good. That opening scene where you get to start off as Vader. Yeah. It's so amazing. I took my time just going through just crushing people, <laughs> choking the hell out of people, throwing things around. And you wonder why we say these things about you. You were <laughs> such an evil, violent man. I accept that. He, so <laughs> he sounds all calm and cool and collected when he's on here, but deep down, there's darkness with him. I, I don't like the look in his eyes when he says it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and I just... It's, if just, I had the it's force, cold. If I had the force, there's a 100% possibility that I would misuse it. One hundred percent. There's no shadow, no doubt. One hundred percent. You know, which is the virtues of a Jedi. That's true. Ooh. So here's the thing: Have you guys ever played the episode three? And I know Ian has Revenge of the Sith game. I loved that game. I think that game was so hard. It was (laughs) hard. It was so fun. The dueling in it was so difficult. 
I had to fight Mace Windu because you know you're you have to fight Mace Windu as Anakin. I think I had to do that fight 15, 20 times. Well, even at the very beginning when you're fighting uh, Doku, fighting who? Groku. <laughs> I said Doku. Doku. <laughs> All right. Sorry. I'm like combining several characters into one. Wake up. No wonder why it's so we're, hard. We're talking Star Wars. Wells, go back to it, man. You were talking Force Unleashed. Anything else you want to add? Well, yeah, there's just no other game that I've ever played that lets you embrace the dark side so much. Uh, hey, seriously, I mean, it you're was scaring me. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Use that fear. Uh, to what? Call the police? <laughs> Yeah, just to be able to use the force lightning like you could in that game and just crushing stormtroopers without remorse. I just love throwing them through the windows and watching them get sucked out in outer space. Oh, my God. Throwing my lightsaber. I would just pick them up with the force and just hold them there while they struggled. Yeah. Throw my lightsaber into them and watch them suffer. And then I'd slam them into a wall, and I just had such a good time with that. Yeah. Grabbing TIE fighters from the air and crushing whole hordes oh of God. troopers. Man, just <sighs> such a good experience. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna guess by the time you get to the end of the game, you don't choose the light side. Absolutely not. I never would. <laughs> Ever. Hello, police department. It was currently in a podcast with a psychopath. There was no hesitation in my choice, just so you all know. I'm surprised I... they even gave you a choice. You're right. <laughs> like this guy's not gonna go. This guy's not going good. Let's just we'll just go ahead and make that choice for him. That's right. But on that topic of choice, you know, those are my favorite. Uh, some of my favorite games in general are the ones that give you a choice of what you want to do. And leading me into my all-time favorite Star Wars game that I've played and beat so many times, I can't count, and I've owned it on multiple, uh, multiple different platforms is. Like Ian had mentioned, the Star Wars Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy. I remember buying that game when it came out in 2003. I just started at college and I was at Best Buy with money that I didn't know what to do with because I was 18. <laughs> I bought uh, I, I bought that game and loved every second of it, every single second of it. The um, you know the decisions you got to make, you got to choose your force powers, which. Even though we're giving Wells a hard time about the dark side, the dark side powers are just more fun to have in a game. It's more fun to force choke, force lightning. All of those are just more fun than the choices you get in most Star Wars games if you're on the light side is like force heal, force protection. Yeah. And that's boring in a game. You want to force love. <laughs> now you're getting it. Force love. Only in a game. I'll pull you to the dark side eventually. No, sir. Jedi uses the force for knowledge and He'll defense. Never, never for attack. I'm a Jedi like my father before me, buddy. I mean, that's cool if you just want to use some of the Force powers, but, you know, we on the dark side like to use all the powers. Settle down, Sidious. (laughs) Did you say you wanted the power to have all the powers? (laughs) I have the power to have all the powers. Let's talk about our favorite vehicles. Ian Wells, what's your favorite Star Wars vehicle, man? Slave One, easily. It's the most unique ship I can think of in the Star Wars universe, or maybe any universe. It is really cool. I love the way, and I love in Mandalorian how it's it showed some of the inner workings of what it looks like when it goes from that horizontal horizontal to the vertical position while it's flying. Yeah, there's so much space inside there. Yeah, I know it's a lot bigger than it looks. Ian Torrance, what about you? Favorite Star Wars vehicle? 
the Ebon Hawk. The Ebon Hawk, nice. Look at you. Yeah. Trent Trent looks confused. That's the ship from <laughs> That's Knights the of the Old ship Republic. From of the Old Republic. <laughs> it is a cool ship. It's really I similar. Sp- I spent a lot of time no, was, on that ship. I I was just thinking because I didn't know if we were going specific ships or just like style of ship. Whichever. If you, it, it doesn't even have to be a ship. Just what's your favorite vehicle? Maybe it's the droid tanks from Episode One. Whatever floats your ship, buddy. Mm. Those were. Gosh, hold on. Derek, you go ahead. Let me think for just a minute. All right. Well, mine, take your time. Mine's an easy one. Now, I don't release the video on any of this, but we've all changed our names to something Star Warsy, and mine is Green Leader because my favorite all-time Star Wars vehicle ship is the A-wing. I think the A-wings are sleek and they're fast and they're awesome. They're the best ship that they've ever designed. Um, of all of the collectible items that I own of Star Wars, the only thing that I have multiples of is A-wings. I have multiple, multiple A-wings of every 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 time that I see one in a store, I have to buy one. Much to the chagrin of my wife. There you go, Trent. I gave you all the time I can, buddy. Gosh, <laughs> I mean the Millennium Falcon's obviously iconic, awesome ship. Um, I don't know. I'm pretty partial to the Jedi starfighters. I think those are cool ships. Prelude to the A-wing. Which which starfighter are you talking? Episode two, the the triangle, the the arrowhead type of design, or the uh, the um, episode three with the kind of mandibles on the honest, front. Honestly, probably probably three. I mean, they're both cool, but I definitely like. I think three is a little better. Um, I don't know, man. All the vehicles are. I could go on for a while with this, so I'll stop myself before I go too far. There's a lot of awesome vehicles in Star Wars. There are. And speaking sure. of vehicles, one other thing that I forgot to uh, to mention. Who says ADAT and who says ATAT? Which one are you? What do you what do you guys all the way? ATAT. ATAT. Okay. Well, do you have a problem with ADAT? I don't think I want to say that. Sounds too much like pivot. 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 I don't have that, a problem with it. I don't like it, but I don't understand why people can't just say ATAT. I don't right. think it's that much more cumbersome to say. Well, ATAT is four syllables. It's a couple syllables. Adat is literally half the, the the syllables. It's half the half the length. <laughs> well, it bothers me because you can't really do that with any other ship, and I feel like if you're going to do it, like you can't do it with one unless you can do it with all. But that's just how my weird like OCD brain works. And Trans- my personal thing, ATAT just sounds better. ATAT makes more sense because it's an all-terrain armored transport. I lost the last T there for a second. Man, I was going to have to turn in my Star Wars card. <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, I always thought that was a silly debate, but I thought it was kind of fun to, to get your opinion. I, I don't care one way or the other. I say both. I say both and doesn't doesn't bother me at all. And shout out to the X-Wing too. When those wings expand, you know, it's about to go down. You do that. It's one of my favorite scenes of Mandalorian so far. Yeah, when they pulled up beside him, it's season two, and he's trying to get away from him. And he just looks from side to side, and they S foils lock into attack position. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. What's up, What's up with the Empire's obsession with legged vehicles? I feel like they're not the most practical in the world. They're not. They look cool and intimidating. Because you can't but, tell me that that first shot in Empire where you see that giant foot of the ATAT step down, and then it pans up, and you see this big giant. Big giant walker coming towards them. Cool looking. Don't get me wrong. Or back to the Mandalorian when you see the the ATAT in the woods and it has those red lights on it. Come on, man. That was terrifying. It was, but it it was an ATST. 
Come on now. Oh, well. <laughs> Still, it had legs, didn't it? It did have legs. <laughs> it only had walker. two. It was a chicken walker. <laughs> yeah, if you can get taken out by Ewoks, which don't get me wrong, I love the murder bears. I love murder bears. They're awesome. More vicious than they look. They are. They are terrifying, especially did you if you love get Ewok whole, They ate a whole woman before. Yeah, they did. Where Luke and Leia and Han. Not only that, have you guys seen the theory that they actually didn't build Bright Tree Village? Their village that they live in? Because their village is all up in the trees, and Ewoks don't have the physical capabilities to climb those trees and do all that. Their their limbs wouldn't... like A a physiologist actually did like a study on the idea of whether or not they'd be able to build those structures. So the Ewoks just raided a village, killed everybody, probably ate them. And then took over their homes. <laughs> yeah, I've only seen the eating theory wow. because where did they get a full-size woman's dress? Yeah, they well, they definitely ate somebody because I mean they were they were straight up going to eat Han and Luke and Chewie. I mean they were going to eat them, and they were going to feed them to Princess Leia. Did you love those movies though? When I was a kid, yes. Yep, yep. Let's talk about our favorite characters. I'm going to regret this. Ian Torrance, who's your favorite character in Star Wars? I don't know if I can pick one. I don't know if I can pick just one. I like actually. I I like Ray a lot. I know she's been getting like dumped on here lately, but for the most part, like I like Ray. Obviously, Luke. Here's a question for you, though. Wow, Trent, pick one. Jesus, on, <laughs> on her hand. Both. Lando is allowed to call that man whatever he wants because Lando is the coolest sucker on the galaxy. See, Lando, I don't have one. I don't, I don't have a specific favorite. I don't have just one. I understand, but that's a cop out. Ian Wells, what about you? Who's your favorite character? I got a feeling it's a Sith. Oh, uh, you know it is. <laughs> but I'll give you this: that he's also a Jedi in the beginning because it's Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader. I'll give you that. But who's your favorite version of it? Is it Vader or Anakin? Vader. That's what I thought. Trent, what about you? <laughs> My favorite is Obi-Wan with Chewbacca as a close second. Trent, I feel like we're the same person because that's my exact answer. You know, I thought it was. I thought maybe you'd go Luke, but then I thought you would say Obi-Wan. Luke is very tempting for me to say just because he's awesome. But I've Actually, loved Obi-Wan. Ask me again. Wow. All right, Ian. Ian Torrance, who's your favorite Star Wars character? It's from the game that I've literally been talking about this entire time, but Darth Revan from Knights of the Old Republic was my favorite. I'm sorry, but the dark side doesn't want you now. <laughs> no spoilers. Trent hasn't played the game. Ah, Trent, Trent hasn't played a 20-year-old game. I, I know, I know, <laughs> I know the gist of the game. You, you could, do you know, you know the, you know the big reveal. I didn't want to break your heart when you were rambling earlier, but the whole time I kept thinking, like, he's trying so hard not to ruin this game, but I, I know what happens. Why didn't you just tell me that? Just I, You were on a roll, and you were excited. I didn't want to take that from you. Now you've taken it. I want to throw out an honorable mention, and that's going to be Starkiller from the Force Unleashed games. If you all don't stop with these honorable mentions when I'm not asking you for them. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> no, that's good, because Starkiller actually is a really fun character. There's been talk that they uh, they may try and get him into canon somehow. He needs to be. They could change up his story and easily get him in there. Just throw like him into in an actual canon. Yeah, just shoot, shoot him out him of a out. canon. 
but they could easily just turn him into an inquisitor and 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 bring him back into canon that way mm-hmm. which i hope they do because uh sam witwer is awesome and he still works for lucas lucas arts he's a yeah, huge he, star wars nerd he did a wonderful job with uh darth maul as well great job with darth maul he does a great emperor too yeah he was the emperor and uh and force unleashed Eric, I'm sorry I stole your answers. It's okay. I don't mind you stealing my answers. I, I love Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan's even my favorite in the original trilogy, even though he's not in it much. So much so that when Hasbro finally brought out a uh, a Marvel Legend or Marvel Legends, Star Wars Black Series figure of Ghost Obi-Wan, I immediately went to Walgreens because it was supposed to be like a Walgreens exclusive. And I immediately went to Walgreens and I bought it, even though we didn't really have the money to buy it at the time that it came out. And my wife didn't even get on to me about it because she knew it was a moot point. That was just that that was happening. There there was no way I wasn't going to get that figure. So, yeah, I love Obi-Wan and Chewie is a close second because I'm big and furry like a (laughs) Wookiee. You'll be mad at me if we add more honorable mentions, but I was just going to throw out... uh, the real hero of the entire saga who probably doesn't get the love he deserves. But if I had to probably pick a third, I would have to say probably R2-D2. Jar Jar Binks. Oh, I'm sorry. You realize nothing happens in those movies without R2-D2. And it's really everyone true. would probably die at one point or another without R2-D2. And R2-D2 is ride or die, man. He is, he is all in. In Revenge of the Sith, when he spills that oil and then uses his uh, rocket booster to burn those droids up, that was amazing. A <laughs> savage. Also, can we just say that, you know, he's the best secret keeper in the universe because he knows everything. He'll just like go everything. to sleep for 20 years and not tell anybody anything. Well, yeah, but even in the original trilogy, like not once when he's watching Leia kissing on Luke, he can't just nudge him and be like, hey, hey, you, you want to stop that. You'll find out later, but you want to stop that. So, yeah, R2 is amazing. And he is he is the most important character. And George Lucas has even said that Star Wars is told from his point of view. So he's the hero of the entire piece. Now, before we get into our next topic, we're going to throw it over to Mr. Bob Tingle for a unique non-Star Wars fan perspective on the Disney movies. All right, Bob, so you're not uh, you're not a Star Wars fan by any stretch of the imagination but you did enjoy the sequel movies or at least force awakens and solo and some of the uh the disney properties so i was curious why you enjoyed those movies what did they do for you that the original trilogy and the prequels never never did i thought it i thought it kind of reinvented the star wars i don't know the, the fantasy of it for people that weren't as big as fans i and I love J.J. Abrams. I think anything he touches turns to gold. And uh, I loved his direction. And I love the new characters. I didn't like the third one of the new trilogies because to me it was all about Kylo Ren. And it just took away from, you know, it was called The Last Skywalker and and it uh, or The Rise of Skywalker or whatever it was. And um, it just made it all about Kylo, and just him moping and it took away from the movie. So I didn't like the third one, but I did like, I did like the first two of that trilogy. And then the prequels I liked just because of the star Wars or the saber battles. I thought those were the coolest battles of all of them. I thought the battles in the originals were bland and boring and saber fights in the, 
prequels, I thought just the action was a lot more better. And that's, that's one thing I didn't like about the J.J. Abrams one, is I didn't think there was enough saber battles, but I did. I enjoyed them all, besides the Skywalker one. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty common complaint. That's a, I understand that. But overall, as far as the uh, the Disney area era of Star Wars goes, you pretty much enjoyed those, right? I mean, you I know that Solo was your favorite Star Wars movie. Um, yes. I know I know you loved Force Awakens. What about Rogue One? I never got to ask you about Rogue One. Really, what did you I think about Rogue that? One? Was pretty pretty fun. Um, I didn't love it like everyone else loved it, but I, I thought it was fun. I wasn't disappointed that I watched it. Um, and I did like uh, The Mandalorian a lot. My wife and I really enjoyed watching um, those two seasons, and we got into it a lot. I'm interested to see how the third season is going to go. So from your point of view as being like a non-Star Wars fan, do you think that the Disney era of Star Wars so far has been more friendly to people that are just getting started in the Star Wars story? Yes, and and I I think it's a uh, more more friendly to the original fans too because it's given them a continuation of the stories that they love so much. They might not like the direction that that it's going, but at least they're getting something. Yeah, well, you know, Star Wars fans are never pleased about everything. They didn't like the direction that the prequels went, but that doesn't matter. Not everybody's going to be pleased about everything. Is there anything that you would be excited about with Star Wars going forward? Like, uh, I know you said Mandalorian. Are you looking forward to the the shows that they're going to be doing? Are you going to watch all of the new shows that they're doing, like Ahsoka and Boba Fett? And... I doubt. I, I I doubt I'll get very much into the Boba Fett show. I don't. That doesn't appeal to me. Um, the Crime Syndicate kind of sounds neat, but I, I it just really doesn't. I, I, I might give it a chance. I would love it if the Luke Skywalker, the the rumors with with uh, what's his name, Winter Soldier playing Luke, I think would be great if, if he had Baby Yoda. If it showed his his little journey with Baby Yoda, I think would be awesome. That would be a lot of fun. I'm not holding my breath for it, but I would I would like to see it. You know, bringing up going back to Mandalorian again, were you lost at all on any of it, or do you think that they did a pretty good job for somebody that wasn't as as deep into star wars as as some of the other fans are did you get lost a lot or were you able to follow the story pretty well or i was able to follow it pretty good now there was some things that uh, star wars fans did notice and catch that i didn't catch because i just you know wasn't familiar with everything i think you explained a lot of the stuff to me and why it was significant but uh, even with that, I, I was never lost. Both my wife and I really enjoyed them. All right. Well, awesome. Anything you want to add? Anything you're looking forward to with uh, with Star Star Wars going forward? I'm I'm keeping my hope, my fingers crossed for the Luke Skywalker one. Keeping the fingers crossed. All right. I understand. Well, hopefully they do something fun with it. But uh, all right. Well, Bob, thank you so much for hopping on and talking to me about Star Wars. Thank you for having me. I want to talk about Star Wars's influence overall in our culture and pop culture in general. You know, when Star Wars came out, it changed everything. And I have a couple of uh, a couple of directors that had talked about what it did for them and how it had influenced them when they first saw Star Wars. 
Peter Jackson, of course, famous for directing the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit trilogy and many, 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 many other giant epic blockbusters. Uh, he was quoted. He said he talking about George Lucas. He opened the door for me to make the films that I have in a way I could have barely dreamt of before before do or doing before Star Wars. So Peter Jackson, this incredibly acclaimed filmmaker said that if it wasn't for star Wars, he didn't think that it would have been possible for him to, to do what he's done. So without star Wars, we wouldn't have had Lord of the Rings. So there you go, Bob, if you're listening to this, (laughs) that's a discussion that we have had many times of what is the more influential film series, star Wars or Lord of the Rings. And I think that there's no contest in that. Because Star Wars has not only influenced, you know, directors, also James Cameron was a truck driver when he saw Star Wars and he decided to quit his job and, and start making making films. So without Star Wars, we wouldn't have Avatar. We wouldn't have Terminator. Guillermo del Toro talked about the lived in universe that Star Wars had and how you could take that that idea with sci-fi and with fantasy and how you could run with it. And so all these prolific directors talk about how important star Wars was on them as filmmakers. And so what I want to ask you guys is why do you think star Wars has been so influential and why has it endured as long as it has? And I will start with all of you look nervous. I'll start with Trent. Oh God. I need to see me. (laughs) Why do, you, why do you think it's been such a big influence and why is it why has it lasted for so long? That's such a tough answer to have to answer as someone who, like you said earlier, we were all born after Star Wars, so we've never not really known life without it or before it. So it's hard to give a proper answer without having lived through, I guess, the phenomenon that it kind of was when it first came out. But if I had to quantify it, I would say, and I guess this is just going to be me speaking personally more, I guess because it's such a big, fantastical spectacle of a movie, but it's rooted in such realistic, grounded kind of, it's roots, it's rooted in roots. I don't know how else to say that. But the point I'm trying to make is, Luke is just a friggin' kid living with his aunt and uncle on a in a wasteland he had nothing going for him so he's kind of like a lot of us when we're watching the movie i mean he's no one really special or at least he doesn't think he is obviously he's the son of a very powerful jedi but i mean i guess it's just because he was just this normal teenage kid that gets swept up in this grand adventure and becomes this hero and it was just really relatable i guess i mean like i said it was big it was fantastical it was sci-fi and it was all these crazy things that can't happen in our world, but we can relate to it so well because of a character like Luke or because of Han and Leia, you know, these more grounded characters. I guess that would be the easiest way for me to try and sum it up because, I mean, obviously sci-fi existed before Star Wars, but nothing ever blew up or hit like Star Wars. I mean, I guess Star Trek was a pretty big deal, but we're not going to try and compare the two because we could probably devote a whole episode to that, I'm sure. Um, I don't know. That's that's the answer I'm going to start with. And maybe as you guys talk, maybe I could add more on. So throw to someone else and see if they could take the ball and run with it. Ian Wells, you want to you want to run with that ball? 
Sure. Uh, I'd like to read something from my book here that I think pretty much sums it up. You wrote a book? I, I did. That. <laughs> I wrote a whole Star Wars encyclopedia. Feel free to be impressed right now. I'm very impressed. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> but uh, this says remarkable individuals, incredible life forms, and sentient droids coexist throughout the galaxy. Space travel brings them together in fascinating and at times combustible combinations. From the smallest scavengers to the largest monsters on the desert, desert planet of Tatooine to the impoverished uh, denizens, cultured aristocrats, and droid servants on the metropolitan city planet Coruscant. The galaxy is populated by innumerable beings. Although not every civilization has achieved or acquired the appropriate technology, and some remain isolationist, space travel has led to commercial trade and cultural, cultural exchanges between thousands of worlds and cultures. It is not unusual to find literally dozens of alien species in any given spaceport. So, I think that pretty much sums up the large world of Star Wars. It started off as kind of like a small thing. People kind of thought it was silly to have this space opera, but it turned into a cultural phenomenon and it's lasted throughout generations. There's something in Star Wars for every generation from our parents, our grandparents to your kids that may have just been more a couple years ago. They're still getting new Star Wars content all the time. And it's something that can bring people together. And I think it always will. Well done. Well done with the reading from Professor Ian Wells. Thank you. Thank you. We I was like going to say, was that Ian Wells or was that LeVar Burton over there? <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that snarky comment, Ian Torrance, why do you think that uh, Star Wars has endured and why is it such a cultural phenomenon? I mean, I like the way that reading Rainbow over there summed it up, but uh, I... Uh... <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I I think it's because it's it's cool. What makes it cool is obviously the fantasy aspect of it. That's so like there's so much going on. There's like a whole galaxy. I mean, multiple galaxies uh, created specifically for this universe that is Star Wars and the possibilities are endless because you've got different species like there's different powers if you've got everything you want so you got the sci-fi the fantasy you got everything all entwined and <laughs> the lightsabers alone are, are cool so there's so much you could do with um with with the lightsabers with you know building your own you know hilt the crystal the, the whole thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah just like that um so you know and i'm not gonna disclose how much money ian spent on that lightsaber he just demonstrated for us no but, but that's what i'm saying like you you love it that much that you're willing to drop some cash on something like that which is really cool and the reason being is because you're so enthralled with these characters that You've got TV shows, you've got, the, you know, the animated series and everything, uh, games, and there's just so much you can do with it. And I just think it's it's a really neat concept, obviously, to, to from the start. And not not to mention, you know, and, and this is going to be another tangent we're going on another night, introducing, like, the Mandalorian 
even people who don't haven't watched any of the Star Wars, any of the content, have no idea what's going on with any of it, are fans of the Mandalorian. And I just think that this this whole this whole universe really like draws you in and uh makes you like feel like you're a part of it and you can create your own kind of universe in your head and everything Uh, i'm sorry it's very dark over at trent's house and he's he's very he's it's like sexy posing over here (laughs) just the moonlight dancing off of his elbow it's kind of distracting but uh that's a sexy obi-wan pose yes yes (laughs) yes i wasn't talking about that kind of fantasy buddy yeah um but yeah, I just that's that's and again, I could keep obviously, as you can tell, I could just keep going on and on and rambling about that forever. But the short version is um, the fantasy aspect of it and, and the way that the lightsabers and everything uh, have, have drawn people in and they marketed that has been fantastic. And I know that I love it. So but again, it's the nerd in me. Yeah, I agree with everything you guys said. Um, I think that one thing, one of the reasons why the characters have worked so well and the stories work so well is because George Lucas leaned so heavily into myth with uh, Joseph Campbell's teachings on like the hero with a thousand faces and how in all mythology, there's a common thread of a, of a call to action or refusal of that, you know, a, a, uh, you know, the hero's journey is what I'm, what I'm talking about. And I think the very fact that it's done so perfectly, especially in that first movie and in a new hope, it just, it, it got people on board immediately and it made them want to just keep going with it and going with it and keep going forward. And on top of that, like what Ian was saying with how everything, it just looked fun. It was, it looked cool. You know, nobody had ever seen movies that look like that, you know, at the time in the seventies, when, when star Wars, was being made the only sci-fi movies that were coming out were really dark, depressing, like post-apocalyptic sci-fi movies. And so here comes this big, bright, colorful movie with big ships and funny dialogue and, and over the top characters. And it just hit right at the right time. You know, I was, I said before we were recording that I was watching empire of dreams, the, uh, the documentary that they put out around the time that the prequels were coming out. And one of the people that that they were interviewing said, you know, Star Wars came out exactly the right time. If it, it, if it, if it had come out a little too early, people wouldn't have been ready for it. And if it come out just a little bit later, then, you know, it would have gotten lost in the shuffle and it had to come out just in that time when people were ready for something new. And so I think that's why it had such a big cultural impact um, and why it just keeps going and going and going. But not only does it have the cultural impact and keep enduring because of the characters, but, what George Lucas was able to do with his company, with Lucasfilm and all the subsidiaries of Lucasfilm that came out of that. I mean, just from, from Lucasfilm, we have LucasArts, Industrial Light and Magic and THX Sound and Skywalker Sound. And ILM and THX have been huge players for a very long time. ILM still to this day has gotten got so many credits a lot of the marvel movies have used ilm you know going back to peter jackson the guys over at weta have have talked about what ilm did with with jar jar in episode one and how that how that influenced what they thought they could do with Gollum moving forward in their movies by the time that they started working on him on two towers 
And so, you know, like I said, at the beginning of this, of this discussion, just the, the filmmakers that came up, came up watching star Wars and citing that as the reason why they wanted to do it. I think that that's why it's, it's kept going. And I think it'll keep going no matter what. I don't think that toxic fandom is going to stop star Wars anytime soon, because even though there's a vocal minority complaining about, you know, how the, how the series ended with rise of Skywalker or how they didn't like the prequels or they didn't like the last Jedi. Those movies have made a ton of money showing that the vast majority of people still love this property. They still think that it's great. They still think they still want more and more. And like what Ian was saying with the Mandalorian, you know, it just shows that that star Wars is going to keep on growing. And I, I, for one, am here for it. I can't wait. I'm, I'm excited for everything that star Wars gives to us. I want it to just keep going and keep growing and, and keep giving us more and more and more content. With all that said, this is Star Wars Day. I want to ask you guys, because I do, if you don't have any rituals or anything like that, that's fine. But is there anything you guys do to celebrate Star Wars Day? Something that you do special? Do you watch a, a specific movie? Do you eat a specific snack? Anything you guys do on Star Wars Day? I like to uh, I watch Revenge of the Sith, and I like to play The Force Unleashed. He likes to go out and murder people. <laughs> yeah. Mostly children. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't have any rituals, uh, not to be a Debbie Downer, but I do plan on uh, watching the Bad Batch this May Fourth. Yeah, that's right. That Bad Batch is coming. Excited Trent, to watch it. Trent is involved in rituals, but not that involves Star Wars. They're a different kind of ritual that Correct. we can't talk about on here. Well, what about you, Ian? Do you do anything on Star Wars Day? I do not do anything special. I'm not saying that uh, if it's Star Wars Day and I'm sitting at home, I won't throw one of the movies on or whatever, but I'm not like, oh, man, it's May the 4th. I got to do this. But uh, this year, I probably will uh, bust one of the games back out and try to try to play one of the games. Or yeah, I start I, Clone, Clone Wars finally. So Yeah, you should I usually Clone Wars. I usually will wear a shirt. I forgot. I usually throw on a Star Wars shirt on Star Wars Day. That's oh, I thought you just meant a shirt do. in general. It's like, oh, that's, I at least put you don't do that every other day. day? For the sake of other people, yes. The sweetest. Yeah, on, on Star Wars Day, you know, for those of you that know, I've mentioned it before, I have a plethora of children. And so Star Wars being for kids, you know, we have a lot of fun on Star Wars Day. We we let the kids pick which movie they want to watch. Usually it's Force Awakens because I have three daughters and Ray is their favorite character, which just goes to show how Star Wars is for kids. So even if you didn't like the sequel trilogy, just remember that there's a whole generation of fans that that's their star Wars and that they love it. But usually we'll end up throwing on uh, I can sometimes talk them into return of the Jedi because they like the Ewoks, but we'll either throw on return of the Jedi or force awakens. And we'll have a ridiculous amount of star Wars snacks. I'll throw up a, uh, a link to star Wars.com that has got some wonderful fun star Wars snacks. If you want to, if you want to do that this year, you know, we do, pretzel lightsabers and we do we did yoda guacamole a couple of years ago that was a lot of fun uh, <laughs> i had mandalorian fruit snacks mandalorian fruit snacks yeah that's right oh gosh i can't even remember last year i had to work on on star wars day and i had to work late and so i missed out on most of it but i got all the pictures and i can't even remember all the things that we did that year i know that we've got a few on the on the menu this year and like i said i'll throw it on i'll throw a link in the in the post and in the description so that you guys can try out some of those yourself. They're, they're easy. They're, they're cheap and just fun and silly, especially if you have kids, they have a lot of fun. Blue milk is a must. If you don't drink blue milk on, 
on May the 4th. I'm telling you now, drink some blue milk. It's simple to make. You can what do the green milk. The green milk, milk looks a little slimy. Deep, deep. I'm not I'm not into the green milk <laughs> from the Thala Siren there on, on Octu. No, no, thank you. I'm going that to got... Galaxy's Edge in July and I will definitely drink some blue milk. Yeah, blue milk, blue milk is, going to is Galaxy's tasty. Edge? I am. Wow, where was our invite? Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, we could right. do, we could do a live podcast from Galaxy's Edge if you would have just paid a little extra money, but no, selfish. Just like a dark side user. Look at you. Got to build myself another Sith lightsaber too. <laughs> Sith life for life. You're putting a lot of emphasis on that S. <laughs> yes. Like the snake that he is. Slytherin. <laughs> a snake in the sand on Tatooine. Well, good. I hope you have fun. We won't snake get to go to sand. Galaxy's Edge for a while. I'm looking forward to going to Galaxy's Edge, but again, I've got young children and I don't want to take a. Do you a, don't want to take them? I don't. No, <laughs> I don't, don't want to take them. I just. You just I, ended the sentence right there. I don't want to take small them. children. It's I don't want to take them. It's for me them. and me only. Yeah, that's I, it. I just don't. Want I to have take been them. told many, many times because every time we talk about a Disney trip here in a couple of years, when the, all the kids are old enough to go, I've been told many times by my wife. Now you know we're not spending every day at Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> it's cute that she believes that. You're just like, I know. I told her, yeah, <laughs> you guys aren't spending every day at Galaxy's Edge, and we're also not going to stay in the Star Wars-themed hotel that they're opening. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much spending... just want to live at Galaxy's Edge while I'm there. I do want to live at Galaxy's Edge. Gosh, it sounds amazing. I can't wait to go. Can't wait to go. So you'll have to do a, a special report when you when you come back. Absolutely. Hello there. All right, so we got some, some general discussion topics that we didn't get to uh, throughout this episode. We want to make sure we hit before we get out of here. First and foremost, uh, Trent and I are just going to discuss our our personal introduction to Star Wars and the impact that it had. So, Trent, what was um, what was the first time that you were introduced to Star Wars, and do you remember you know Do you remember the impact it had on you as a youngster? I do. Um, we kind of briefly touched on it a little earlier, talking about how none of us were, of course, alive during the seventies and eighties when they originally came out. That we were all special edition children, and that you know I'm no different. I remember in ninety seven. Did, I can't. Did they all come out a couple months apart? Is that how it was? Yeah, I think they all they were all done by Christmas of '97. I'd have to look it up because, like I said, it's been a long time ago. But I do remember going to see all of them in the same year. Yes, yeah, same here. And I couldn't remember if it was all like back to back to back. If there was some time in between, either way. Um, yeah, my my dad was a big Star Wars fan, and he was the one that decided to just take me to the movie one day. He's like, "Hey, let's go check out Star Wars. They re-released them. I think you'd really like them." And I would have been seven going on eight i guess at the time and so young impressionable big imagination and so yeah i remember going to the theater and watching the special editions um that year with each one that came out and just falling in love with them of course they were gearing you up for um phantom menace a couple years later well in addition to being kind of the 20 year anniversary i think it was probably kind of twofold but um yeah i just i fell in love with it it just was like you know Kind of like I was probably would have been in the theater in 77. It was like nothing I hadn't really seen to that point. And, you know, I remember just it consuming my life kind of. I, you know, I drew a lot as a kid, still do sometimes. And so I was drawing a lot of Star Wars. Stuff, still do sometimes. So. You did our pretty incredible job on our logo. <laughs> well, I'd say that's yeah, more as, than just sometimes drawing. Not as much as I'd like, unfortunately. But, um, you know, back then I'm constantly drawing different things, you know, both actually from the movies or just kind of trying to create my own stuff that was based on star Wars. And then of course all the video games, I was starting to get into all that and it just kind of all hit me at once. Of course, all leading up to 
the Phantom Menace coming out, which I don't want to get too much into the prequels again since we already did talk about that. But I just want to say that the Phantom Menace and the special edition movies that kind of led to that, that was kind of like my big Star Wars moment. And it makes me sad when people crap on them and that it disappointed some people because for me, it was just like, I think Ian had mentioned earlier about the sequel movies that he got to live through the hype and that's why he likes right. the sequels. Well, that was what Phantom Menace was like for me. You know, I yeah, I didn't get the hype of the 97 re-releases because obviously I didn't know what they were until I went and saw them. But after going to see them and falling in love with them, then that's when the Phantom Menace became this big hype deal for me. So it'll always hold a special place in my heart for nothing else if, you know, that reason alone. So Yeah, I um I got started a little bit earlier, around the same age that you were. Of course, I'm a little bit older than you are. So I was born in 85. And so around 1990, I was around between five and six. Uh, I had an older cousin who loved Star Wars, just absolutely loved it. Had every every Kenner figure that they ever came out with. And I remember I was at their house and they were watching A New Hope on VHS back in the old, old days where Vader looked blue because it was all deteriorated and old. Yeah. And... uh and I remember the the scene that stands out for me is Vader walking away after after telling Leia that she was a part of the Rebel Alliance, a Rebel Alliance, and a traitor. Mm-hmm. After when he's walking down the corridor with that Imperial officer, um, that's the scene that I always think of when I think uh, when I when I remember that first thing of Star Wars because there was just something about Vader. And then of course I loved it ever since then. You know, I didn't get into it like I do now. That didn't come until after I saw the re-releases in '97, mm-hmm. but I did. I went and saw every one of those. And nobody in my family liked Star Wars except for my cousin. He lived two hours away. And so I remember begging my dad to go and see the the special editions. And he took me to A New Hope and to Empire. But Return of the Jedi, we have, th- uh, for anybody from not this not in this area, we have two theaters. We've got our main you know, like multiplex, which only has six screens. So it's not a huge multiplex. But we have the, the first main run one. theater. And then we have a second run theater called The Ohio. And... Um, it was a great old theater. It's unfortunately not open right now anymore, but it was a great older theater. And I remember when Return of the Jedi came out, I just, I couldn't talk my dad into taking me to go see it because he just didn't have the time to see it. You know, he didn't want to go watch it. He wasn't a Star Wars fan. And I would have been about 12 and a half. And I talked him into letting me go see it at the Ohio when it left our main theater and went to, for its second run there. And he, I talked him into just drop me off. I'll be fine. Just drop me on Walker. So the first movie I ever watched in a theater by myself was Return of the Jedi. That's awesome. And so I, I will always, I will always love the special editions. I know that they're different. I know that there's some wonky CGI and George Lucas doing some things that that people didn't like. But those special editions ignited a love for me that I didn't realize how that I had, like that I that I how much I really glommed onto Star Wars and love Star Wars. You know, when when the special editions were coming out, that was uh, that was a really big Christmas for me because my grandparents were pretty well off. And if there was something you liked, they tried to make sure that you got a lot of that. So if you asked for something, that was what it was. So when movie toys tie ins came out, there was a lot. Mm-hmm. And so like that Christmas, I got like the Millennium Falcon. I got I got all of the uh, all of the main characters, you know, 3PO, R2, Luke, Leia, Han, I think yeah. even a Lando and Chewie and all that. Like an X-wing, bunch of micro machines just unloaded on on, and that was what sparked my uh, my Star Wars collecting habits. Yeah, so, I feel diminished. So thanks, in my Grandma. Little, I feel <laughs> diminished in my little segment too. But around the same time, you know, I I loaded up on the toys as well, and I still have them somewhere. I have so many Star Wars action figures. Like probably not. I say so many. You know, I'm I'm not like the uh, 
the super fanboys that have walls and shelves full of them. And if I can no. see, are you one of those, Derek? I used to be. I, I'm. <laughs> I still. I, I have a. I have a lot though. I'll just. I have that. a lot now, but not nearly as much as I used to. Now, when I was 18, my dad passed away. Not to get sad and depressing. But I went through this weird phase where I thought I needed to be the man of the house and put away all my childish things. And I literally rounded up all my Star Wars toys. Now, granted, remember this before you judge me. I was in a pretty deep depression at the time. I rounded up all my Star judging. Wars toys and I threw them away. I had a huge collection of those toys from like the Power of the Force 2 line from back in the in the 90s. And I just threw them away. It was the biggest, judge. biggest regret that I've had. Painful to hear, but I won't judge. It was, but I've got a happy ending to that. A couple of years back, my uh, my wife's grandfather, who's recently passed away. Um, thank you, Tom, not for passing away for what's about I was to happen. say what <laughs> <laughs> he told me. You know, he was getting towards the end of his life, and he has he was in pretty pretty poor health. And he 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 told me, uh, take the key to the barn, go down to the barn, go up in the attic, and I've got a couple of tubs down there. I want you to grab. And so I went down there. He said, "You'll know which ones they are." And so I went up to the to the attic in the barn and I opened up, there were the two big packing tubs full of the exact line of toys still in the box that I'd gotten rid of. And I re I recouped about 80% of my old collection plus some things that I didn't ever have before. And so I I can never thank him enough. You know, like I said, he he just recently passed just a couple of months ago. So I will, I will always think of him fondly when I see my, my star Wars collectibles that I got back because of him. The big question now is, did you open them or did you leave them in the packaging? No, I left them in the package. Um, <sighs> you got to play with them. Let, well, no, I, I took out some, I, some of the micro machines and things like that, that, you know, some of the, if the packages were bent, there were a couple of things that were duplicates. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to take them out. So that was nice because I do like displaying my, my things, my toys out in the open. But yeah, uh, so Star Wars has had a huge impact on me over the years. And it's just one of those things that has never gone away. But moving on from that, you know, like I said, we're going to try and not have this overly long. This episode's getting pretty long as it is. We mentioned George Lucas just just quickly. And we, I just want to take a minute and just say thank you, George. I know you're listening to this. You're an avid listener to Paperweight Entertainment. And we appreciate your uh, your renew or your continued interest in our podcast. So I just want to take a minute and say thank you so much to George Lucas for everything that he did, not only for the film industry, but just just for for people who love fantasy and sci-fi everywhere you know star wars was a a gift that i think people take for granted a little too much and they don't give him the credit of building this incredible just mythology this modern mythology that we have so i want to just i just want to heap some praise on george lucas for a minute trent anything you'd like to say about george lucas Yes, and I'm glad you you just hit it on the head. You described it perfectly. Um, I don't want to go on a big tangent because I know we are trying to wrap this episode up. But I, you know, you said people take Star Wars for granted and take George Lucas for granted and the gift that he gave us. And I, you like I said, you summed that up perfectly because we been we had talked earlier about the toxicity of Star Wars fans and and a lot of the bullying that some of the actors have gotten and et cetera, et cetera. I feel like George Lucas gets so much crap these days not just these days. I feel like ever right. since the special editions and yep. the prequels and it just, it infuriates me to no end because like George Lucas owes you nothing. Right. Toxic Star Wars fan. <laughs> like literally the people that are, Oh, he changed all the movies. He did this and this, the prequels suck, blah, blah. These are George Lucas's movies. These are his <laughs> ideas that he blessed the world with. And, you know, sorry if you don't like maybe the direction he took with them, 
and maybe you don't like some of the changes he's made because he obviously with each new release of the original trilogy there's always some new change and yeah maybe he has a bad (laughs) habit of tinkering a little too much with some of the things he puts in there whatever you know it's not enough to take away from the essence of the movie but yeah just thank you for heaping all the praise on george lucas because he deserves every every bit of it he gets way too much crap from quote-unquote fans star wars fans that like you said take him for granted and take these movies for granted these are his babies and as far as i'm concerned you know we owe him nothing and if he wants to change a dvd edition or add this or that you know so be it i'm sad that he left you know i don't want to get into a disney era sequel debate but i'm sad that george left i wish he was still a part of it that's all i do too at that I do think that he's softened to it over the years because, you know, you keep seeing him, especially with Mandalorian, because Dave Filoni is his big is like his protege there at yeah. Lucasfilm. And so you've seen him a lot on. Well, I don't know if you have. I'd say you um, he's been seen a lot on set on the Mandalorian. Yeah. yeah some of the and, um, stuff. you know, you can really feel in that because Dave Filoni is a big part of it. And because, you know, that John Favreau is a huge fan of Star Wars, mm-hmm. you know, just in general, he just loves Star Wars. And so. You can't be a true fan of Star Wars. I hate using that term true fan, but you can't be a true fan, somebody that doesn't just hate things just to hate them. You can't be a fan of Star Wars without being a fan of George Lucas. And so I just I, I really think that that he deserves all of the all of the praise and all of the the accolades that he's had. And I think he deserves very, very little of the criticism that he's got over the years. Mm-hmm. I agree. And so while we're while we're on on the subject of heaping praise, just a couple more things here. John Williams. John Williams cannot, we can't talk about Star Wars without acknowledging what these movies would would be if it wasn't for John Williams. And these movies would be nothing without them. George Lucas himself described John, John Williams' music as the oxygen of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And you can watch it, you can go online and you can watch movies that John Williams has scored without the score behind it. And it's nothing. There is no emotional payoff. There is no suspense. There is no joy without yeah. John, without John Williams. There's, there's none of the magic of star Wars. And even though, you know, George Lucas, his story is phenomenal. If it wasn't for John Williams music, it wouldn't be the same. And uh, so, yeah, I think that John Williams, I, I'm very sad that he's done with star Wars. He said after episode nine, he was done, but I understand he's a very old man and he wants to take some time off, but he is a very old man. He's a legend though. Yeah, he is. He is a legend. So, yeah, I love John Williams, and I think that he deserves every ounce of respect. In my opinion, he's the greatest film composer of all time. Yeah, I don't really I don't think there's much of an argument there. There has been a lot of talk, just as there has been with anything that is popular, that is a genre movie or franchise. And that is oversaturation. Is there too much Star Wars? Is there too much you know, of this science fiction and fantasy, which I think is funny. You never hear, is there too much drama? You never hear, are there too many horror movies? It's only for big tentpole, you know, genre movies that, Oh, well, I think it's oversaturated, which I think is a little ridiculous and biased, but I know, I, I believe we're going to disagree on this. So we will keep it civil, but I think that there's no such thing as oversaturation of star Wars. So long as they continue on the path they're going right now. So long as we're not getting a brand new movie every single six months, I think they came close to that with Solo, and that was one of the problems because they didn't wait long enough because yeah. then you didn't have a chance to differentiate. But so long as they're going on the way that we're doing right now where you get maybe a, a TV show once a year or twice a year and then maybe a movie every two to three years or every four years, whatever it is, I think that they could keep Star Wars going indefinitely, and I don't think that there's a problem of oversaturation. 
Now, I believe that you disagree with me on this, and I want you to uh, put any any points forward that you have. I disagree to an extent, and mainly just kind of to play devil's advocate, because, I mean, I do agree with you in the sense that too much of a good thing or too much of something that you love can never be a bad thing, and obviously we both love Star Wars. We had a similar debate, or, you know, we talked about the Marvel fatigue one of our earlier episodes. And if you love Marvel, I don't think it's a bad thing to have too much of it. So I do agree with you in that sense, but just again, just to kind of play devil's advocate and you mentioned solo coming out six months, right after, was it even six months? It wasn't even six months cause it was May. So it was only, it was only uh, five months. And that's after. kind of where I first saw this whole debate sparked is when solo came out so quickly after um, last Last Jedi, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was after Last Jedi. Um, and it didn't do very well. And you could blame it on the fact that it came out too early. You could blame it on the market. You could blame it on a lot of things. But yeah, a lot of things went bad the, with Solo. That's kind of <laughs> where the debate where I first noticed it. And I can agree that something like Star Wars, it's different from Marvel in the sense that Marvel has a lot of different characters and a lot of different properties, and they could keep things interesting by, you know visiting all these different characters corners of the universe and yes in theory you could do that with star wars it has an infinite galaxy full of characters and storylines but for some reason disney seems or at least they were seemed too focused on the skywalker saga if they wanted to do something like marvel and have different franchises for different characters or new characters or whatever which they are kind of starting to do with the Mm -hmm. mandalorian then i think that would be but I think they were trying about like the uh, seven, eight, nine came out, I think two years apart from each other with a star Wars story kind of sprinkled in between. So there was a star Wars every year and I don't know. I don't know why it's different in my mind. I don't have a great reasoning, but for some reason, something like star Wars, I just feel like worked better when it was like, I think the prequels came out every three years and the original movies came out every three years. I don't know. I obviously don't like the thought of waiting, three years for a sequel to the next big movie that you love. And maybe we're just spoiled in today's age, but for some reason it just put more, I don't know, importance, more stock in something when you knew it had, it built up more hype and more excitement. It let you kind of digest this movie, enjoy it for a while, you know, burn through the DVDs, watching it over and over. And then, you know, let some time pass. And then the new one, when one comes out every year, I just feel like, I don't know. That's such a quick turnaround. It and takes again, away from the spectacle of it. Yeah, it's just like, let the hype build a little bit, let the film breathe, and then, I don't know. There's just, I don't know. <laughs> like I said, that's <laughs> it's different for me with Star Wars. I don't know why. I just feel like it should it should have three-year uh, in-between each movie model that they used to follow. It's, it's probably because of that, because, you know, the original trilogy, it was. It was one, and then three years, and then two, and then three years, and then three. Yeah. And then it was... 20 years before we saw another Star Wars movie. And then it was just the, the re-releases and then Phantom Menace came out. And again, they followed that same thing every three years. It came out. Movie making has changed over that amount of time where now it just doesn't take that much of a turnaround anymore because the technology has grown and things like that. And they can do things much quicker now. Mm -hmm. And so I understand from a studio point of view and from a business point of view of, Hey, we need to pump these things out as fast as we can, because these, this is a money-making machine. So I understand from the studio point of view, but that has been a a debate that's been going on since force awakens came out. And they said they were going to start doing these star Wars stories in between Mm -hmm. of, you know, having a star Wars movie come out every year, it cheapens that thrill and it takes away from some of that time. Cause one of the best things about star Wars, and we've saw that with the prequels and with the, the sequel trilogy now is that speculation you got to have in between 
where you get yep. to see, you get to wait and see for a trailer, you know, you get to go see it in the theater and go see it in the theater, how many times you can. And then when it comes out on, on home video, you get to watch it as many times as you want. And then you get a trailer for that next one. You get a title for the next one. And when star Wars celebration comes out. And so the idea of seeing one every single year, it does seem like it could take away from that hype. And I understand when, why people would feel that way. Like I said, just speaking for myself, I get hyped up for all of it, you know, it, just like what we were talking about with uh, with when we talked about Marvel fatigue, as soon as there's a trailer that drops for the uh, for a new Marvel movie or TV show now, I'm all for it. I'm the same way with Star Wars, even though even though I was not looking forward to Bad Batch, as soon as I saw a trailer, I was all in. So, well, and even even going back to Marvel a little bit, you know, um, it is multiple years in between each like captain america for example or each Thor, right. or each you know it's just that the fact that they have so many proper like so many characters mm-hmm. that they can afford to pump them out multiple times a year and again i feel like star wars could do that but they just haven't really explored other parts of this story or other parts of the I, galaxy yet i, I mean, think I, I i meant to bring that up when you you talked about how disney might be doing that now because they're doing that with mandalorian i i had actually heard a rumor now this is just a rumor but there was a rumor that disney has been wanting to get away from the skywalkers for a while good (laughs) and that the reason and that the reason why they love the last jedi so much is because it was a departure from the other films because they were trying something new and because they were excited about moving forward in the future and then unfortunately instead of just going ahead with that and saying all right well this is the direction we're going we're sticking to our guns we're going to try something different they got nervous because of all the fan backlash and they pulled back and they went with something very safe with the rise of Skywalker. You could tell like it's as much as I don't hate the rise of Skywalker. It's my least favorite star Wars movie, which is not something you want to say about the last movie of the, of the saga. And so I think that they are trying to move away from that. Now, if they can stop listening to loud fans and just do (laughs) what they want to do, that's one thing George Lucas did with the exception of Jar Jar. He cut back Jar Jar's role because he was concerned about Ahmed best, not because he was concerned about his story. But, you know, George Lucas barreled forward like his his treatment for episode seven was talking about midichlorians, like going hardcore into midichlorians. Whether you like it or not, we're going to talk about the midichlorians. I've read That's what George Lucas was going to do. He was going to go crazy with it. I would have loved to have seen it. But yeah, so I I think that we're going to be if Disney does what they what they have been rumored to want to do. I think we're going to start seeing that more. And I think they're doing that right now. You know, we haven't talked about the books in this episode at all. But this new um, canon line of books that they've been doing have been excellent. There's only been maybe one or two that I've read while I listen to them on Audible because I don't have time to to sit down and read a full book. But there's only been maybe two out of all of these ones that I've gotten to read that I just didn't love. And with this new High Republic era that they're getting into right now, their whole marketing initiative with or publishing initiative with the High Republic, they've been excellent so far and they've been very different from anything we've seen. So I think that they're starting to now that they're done with the Skywalker saga, they're ready to kind of move forward and go a little bit, a little bit more experimental and get a little more outside of the box, which I think is something that they really desperately need to do in order to keep from, you know, fans that aren't just shills like me that will just do whatever they want you know i'm i'm going to give them my money when they come up with a star wars movie yes and so you know to make sure that other people don't get tired of them i think that they're gonna go go forward into that and i'm i for one i'm really looking forward to it and i know we didn't talk about the books but if you have not been reading the high republic please i really recommend light of the jedi the first book of the of the series is the best star wars book that has ever been written wow um, I will, I will, I will Top die on that cross, <laughs> but yeah, I will die on that hill. I, I love light of the Jedi was excellent. 
Good to know. I'll have to check that out. I have not read any of the new ones. Yeah, Audible Audible is the way to go with a Star Wars book because it is full on Lucasfilm has got all the support behind Audible. So you got Star Wars music, licensed sound effects, excellent, uh, excellent narrators. It's really, really good stuff. Even the books that aren't great are still really good. Um, all right. Well, I'll throw those, those main topics out of the way to finish off the rest of this episode. We're going to do some quick fire just again between me and Trent here. And these are just going to be just kind of first thing that comes to mind. So uh, Trent, who's an underrated character in your opinion, a lesser known character you think needs more, more praise, more high praise with your Nick Cage voice. High praise. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go with, and these underrated just so people know these are lesser known characters who are obviously not main characters but still awesome and my pick is going to be Plo Koon he is an awesome character he gets he actually does get some uh some more recognition in the Clone Wars which is Dave Filoni's favorite Jedi so he was all about him that would explain it then see I he's great in the Clone Wars and one of the reasons why he's my answer but I always just thought he was cool even before the Clone Wars he was on the council uh he was always kind of in the background of some scenes and he just looked really really badass and i just always thought he was a cool character and then the clone wars confirmed that so. yeah he's he's one of those ones where you you see him and immediately think oh that's a cool character yeah. you know that that breath mask on his face just the the overall look of him he looks and even the voice actor which i don't know off the top of my head who it was he did an excellent job in the clone wars i think it might have been phil i don't I, it might have been phil lamar but i feel like everything's phil lamar so it might not have been that it could have been it could have been. <laughs> do a lot of them uh for me it's another it's another prequel character it's kit fisto I think yes. Kit Fisto is awesome. Uh, he's a lot of he fun. Is. Even, you know, he didn't get a lot to do in the movies, although he did have the really fun moment in uh, Attack of the Clones where he knocks C-3PO's droid, uh, battle <laughs> droid body over and then just smiled and real smiles, big. Yeah. <laughs> but the reason why I fell in love with that character is actually because of the uh, Gendy Tartakovsky Clone Wars, the 2D animated one. Mm-hmm. In that first volume, they they did the the assault on Mon Cala, on the Mon Calamari planet, and it was yep. just him. He rips off his Jedi robes. He's just there in his in like a <laughs> yeah. pair of pants and his big ripped muscles, and he jumps into the ocean, lightsaber going. Uh, he was awesome. I love that. Was kind stuff. of adapted uh, in the Clone Wars Filoni series too. They did, yeah. They put that in there part as of well. Storyline there too, but yeah, so, he, yeah, he he crossed my mind too when thinking of underrated characters. So good pick. And he's also the only other uh, Jedi Master that attacked Sidious that lasted for a second. Last, yeah, <laughs> the other a... the other ones went down with one move. He at least put his saber up to try and block for a second. <laughs> it was a. Eth Koth, who else was there? Um, I Sace- believe Sessi Ten, yeah. Eth Koth, Kit Fisto, and Mace Windu. I'd have to go back and watch it. I haven't watched that scene for a while, so bad Star Wars fan. I should know that off the top of my head. All right, next uh, quick fire topic: favorite slash coolest planet or system, or one that you would like to visit. I'll go first. I got to say that you know they have got some excellent, <laughs> uh, excellent planets and systems in general in in star wars and mine it's a tie the one that i would love to visit the most is naboo for the simple fact that it's gorgeous i'd love to go check out Otagunga. i think that that city a lot because of what we were talking about earlier with the uh playstation one you know episode one tie-in game i would love to spend a lot of time there but there's something about it. it's just it's just a beautiful place but tied or not quite tied but a, a real close second is uh takadana i want to go and hang out at maz kanata's palace that looks like a looks like a lot of fun to go to nice so those would be mine. How about you? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Naboo because that would have been my honorable mention too. Because for the same reason, it was gorgeous and it just looks like a, a just an awesome 
peaceful little planet. But my uh, my answer is Coruscant. I'm a big I'm a city guy. I love big cities, and I just was so fascinated with Coruscant when it first showed up in technically the special editions, but in, in Episode One. So that I would love to go to Coruscant and check it out. Yeah, I thought about Coruscant, but then I thought if I'm going to travel, granted, obviously they're not real, but if I'm going to go travel somewhere, I'm going to end up with my wife and all five kids, and I don't want to try and keep track of my children and Coruscant. Think of all you could do, though, with them in Coruscant. I mean, oh, I can, so I can think of a lot I could do. I can think of my three-year-old running off one of those, <laughs> one of those platforms and just plummeting. Well, yeah, I would yeah. love to see the Jedi Temple, but yeah, like I said, if I'm, I'm thinking family vacations. Favorite quote. I'll let you go first on this one. Gosh, there's so many to choose from. I was kind of looking some up earlier today. I'm going to go with the classic, though. Empire Strikes Back, Yoda to Luke. Um, Try not, do or do not. There is no try. It's such an awesome quote. Classic. I feel like it's one of the the big time quotes that people always think of when they think of their favorite Star Wars quote. And I just love it. Like I said, I love Yoda. I love that movie. I mentioned it as being my favorite movie. So that's going to be my answer. Yeah, that one's excellent. And I thought about something from Yoda. There's uh, Yoda has an honor, a uh, runner up for me or an honorable mention, and it's from Last Jedi with uh, the greatest teacher failure is that mm-hmm. is beyond deep. That like vision from WandaVision can't even hope to be as deep as Master Yoda, <laughs> even though vision had some awesome deep moments. Uh, but my number one, and the reason why is just because it comes from my favorite character. And it is the scene where you see a lightsaber for the first time, and it's Obi Wan giving. Luke, his father's lightsaber, and the entire exchange between it. I won't quote all of it, but the one that sticks out in my head always is for over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic before the dark times, before the empire and the, the sadness in his face when he says that line. Excellent. Yeah. Alec Guinness, just, just phenomenal. I'm so sad that he was not a fan of his time on star Wars there towards the end of his life. Cause An I elegant love weapon. Yeah, from a civilized time. Yeah, and thankfully I have uh, Hallmark to thank for always getting to listen to that every year because I have the the keepsake ornament of Luke getting his father's lightsaber. Awesome, and it, man. you press a button and it says four different lines from that scene, including including the lightsaber lighting up, and it's awesome. All right, what we got next here? Oh, perfect, perfect segue. Lightsabers, lightsaber color. What color would your lightsaber be? And what color do you associate with Luke when you think of him? I'll let you go first on this one as well. Um, my, my lightsaber would be blue. Classic. Just the classic Jedi blue. I know that they're, they've made just about every color canon at this point. Mm-hmm. It's fine. But I'm kind of an old school traditionalist in that I just feel like blue is the classic and green. Um, classic Jedi colors. Even though blue is not my favorite color, it would be right. my lightsaber choice. Yeah, lightsaber choice for me. Um, anytime that I get a chance in a video game to pick a lightsaber color, like I said earlier, you know, Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy was my favorite video game. And right at the beginning of that, you get to pick out your lightsaber hilt and pick out your color. Mm-hmm. And yellow is always my favorite. And really? I don't know why it was for the longest time. And, you know, I know it's not canon anymore of what all the colors represent and everything. It just has to do with the kyber crystal that you have. All right. But I really loved yellow for the longest time. And I was so excited when I started watching Clone Wars to find out that the Jedi Temple Guardians all had yellow lightsabers. I thought that was awesome because, you know, I I, I really, you know, they are the best swordsmen of the order. They're the most disciplined swordsmen of the order, most disciplined Jedi. So I really thought that, all right, awesome. 
I've got a good color there. So yellow is my lightsaber color anytime that I have a chance to pick. Awesome. What was the second part? Luke. Second part of that color? is uh, what color do you associate with Luke when you think of him? Yeah, I think <laughs> I threw this on because I, I remember, I think I randomly texted you one day about a year or two ago, this question. And I don't know why, because I I just, I thought it was a neat discussion topic because I feel like the answer for me is green. Right. But I feel like the common answer would be blue because I feel like whenever Luke is portrayed in any sort of, you know, marketing or whatever, like I feel like he's always associated with Anakin's lightsaber and the blue lightsaber blade. But that's like I said, it's Anakin's. It's not Luke's. So I go green because that's actually Luke's lightsaber. Yeah, I agree with you 100 percent. And I think you're right. You know, the one that everybody associates with him is the blue because, I mean, we're we're at the end of the saga now and Luke has been in six movies. And out of those six movies, three of them, he had a blue lightsaber. Yeah. So, I mean, I get why. And so I understand it, but I agree with you. The green lightsaber is Luke's lightsaber. He built that one. That was a a notification or a notification. That was a representation of his skills being complete. According to Vader, you, your skills are now complete because you created, you built your first lightsaber. Yeah. And, you know, even in, in, the old Republic during, uh, during the prequels, when the, during or clone wars, you know, they took the younglings to become Padawans. You know, you got to become a Padawan after you created, after you got your Kyber crystal. And that was your first step on towards actually becoming a Jedi. Yeah. And so I agree. Luke, Luke's lightsaber is green. He still had it in the last Jedi. He just didn't use it because it reminded him of his failure. <laughs> so I understand why he didn't use it in his force projection because it reminded him of his failure. And also, I think it was a little jab at Kylo Ren because, you know, Kylo really wanted that lightsaber. Yeah. And so it was one little extra thing just to poke at him a little more to get him to uh, to get him a little angry. And I own Luke's green lightsaber somewhere. I do, too. But then again, I also have Anakin's lightsaber, so I can't. That doesn't <laughs> yeah. say much. I never had his, unfortunately. All right. I, I have one more quick fire topic. Okay. This is, and I want anybody listening to this. If you, if you, uh, if you would like, you don't have to out yourself as this much of a nerd, but if you would like comment, let us know, shoot us a message. You can even do it through our email at paperweight ENT at yahoo.com. And we, you know, we don't have to explain, let everybody know just how nerdy you are, but did you ever Trent choreograph a lightsaber fight with a friend? Not only did I choreograph a lightsaber fight with a friend, Derek, me and let me think three of my friends did a choreographed fight for an elementary school talent show. That's amazing. It was amazing, but at the time through my eyes, but I'm sure it was the lamest thing for everyone who had to sit in the audience. Cause I, uh, full disclosure, I was kind of more the director. I was actually not a part of the fight. I was off to the side. It was my friend, um, Terrell, Hopefully you're listening. My other friend McKenzie and oh, there was one other person. I can't remember who it is, so I'm so sorry. But we did the our version of the Duel of the Fates. And I think Terrell had the double-bladed lightsaber. He was Darth Maul. And the other two were Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. And yeah, we did not win the talent show, nor did we even place. But um, yeah. Well, that's ridiculous. I would have voted for you to win. We did that. Yeah, I will. Uh, I will also shout out a friend, Matt Risk. If you are, if you're listening, buddy, I hope you are. I hope you're doing well. Haven't talked to you for a little while. When episode one came out, uh, we went to see the movie together and that was a big letdown because the bulb and the projector burnout 
as we were starting the movies. Mm. I'll never, as we were starting the movie, I'll never forget. Matt showed up with his Boba Fett helmet on, got in trouble, and they told him to take it off because you weren't allowed to wear a helmet into the theater. And we sat down to watch episode one for the first time. And Austin Powers was the trailer. (laughs) And it was the line of the trailer where he's massaging Elizabeth Hurley and he says, how does that feel, baby? Or it might have been, uh, I can't remember if it was the first or second movie that it was. And she says, deeper. And he says, how does it feel, baby? But if for anybody that's ever been in a theater, when a projector shuts off these old school projectors, it was, how does it feel, baby? Deeper. How does it feel? <laughs> and then the guy just came in and said, sorry, we can't show it. The projector bulb burn out. Oh, pain. But anyway, that was a little aside. I didn't realize at the time just how much of a difficulty changing a projector bulb is having worked there for many years. Now I know anybody that gets mad that they can't just replace the bulb, that bulb can melt your eyeballs in your sockets. You got to wait for it to cool down. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, so Matt and I went and we saw the movie and we, we both had a couple of the lightsabers. I had Qui-Gon's. I loved Qui-Gon's lightsaber and Obi-Wan's actually. And we stood on the deck of his pool at night every, every weekend for pretty much that entire summer and just came up with more and more elaborate lightsaber fights. And I think for a good year, that was every time we got together, it was, it was just the two of us being thinking we were really, really cool and slick. Like you said, for anybody looking on, it was just sad because it was like two 14 year old kids. (laughs) Show me a kid star Wars fan though. Who doesn't, you know, either swish a lightsaber around in their head or get a buddy together and choreograph something. That's right. And I want to say in defense of star Wars kid for anybody out there that still makes fun of star Wars kid, every one of you people have at some point in time had a broom or something in your hand and pretended it was a lightsaber. You just got yeah. lucky enough. Your friends didn't put a video of it on, on social <laughs> media. So star Wars kid, you're right in our book, buddy. He'd probably kick my ass in a lightsaber duel. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He had some moves. You or do not. There is no try. I got a bad feeling about this. All right. For our final topic, we're going to throw over to Trent for random star Wars trivia. Go for it, Trent. Let's see if there's something that none of us knew. I highly doubt it. You're going to know all these, Derek, and I knew some of them too. And I'm sure a lot of, you know, diehard Star Wars fans probably know a lot of them, but they jumped out as interesting to me. So I'm going to rattle through some. And if you want to include some as well, feel free. Um, the first one, the word Ewok was actually never uttered in Return of the Jedi. Um, you mentioned it earlier about Alec Guinness not being a fan of Star Wars, which I feel like I maybe knew. Obviously, Harrison Ford was the the big one that people always knew wasn't really a big Star Wars fan. But I don't know if I knew about Alec Guinness's hatred for it or not. Which kind of sucks because we both said that Obi Wan is our favorite character. <laughs> and it's not Ewan just McGregor. because of Ewan McGregor either. I, I love Alec Guinness. Oh yeah, Obi-Wan. I did too. At least Ewan McGregor's awesome. But Alec Guinness, not only did he um, dislike it, I was reading on this earlier. He Demanded a ton of money for his very small roles in the Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. I think he ended up making, I can't remember the exact figure, but it was like millions of dollars just for his small roles in that movie. And true or not, I don't know, but there was a funny story I read where he, I guess, encountered a young kid, Star Wars fan, who asked for his autograph. And Alec Guinness said that he would give him his autograph if he promised to never watch Star Wars again. (laughs) And the little kid cried. And I don't know. I was like, what a a-hole Alec Guinness, legendary actor. Love you as Obi-Wan, but anyway. Uh, here's one that's probably more commonly known, but just in case, Boba Fett did not debut in Empire Strikes Back. It was actually the holiday special. I'm sure you knew that, Derek. You're not Which they head. just released, by the way. If you haven't seen the Boba Fett animated uh, piece that was in the holiday special, because 
George Lucas hated the holiday special and tried to get all of them completely removed and destroyed. They just released the vintage collection on Disney plus and the animated short, a faithful Wookiee is Boba Fett's first appearance. So that's actually available on Disney plus now. Go check it out. If you haven't seen it. Good plug. Let's see. Episode three, revenge of the Sith. The only star Wars film to be filmed entirely in a studio. No locations. Makes a lot of sense when you think about it. <laughs> this was a fun one that may be well known, but wasn't to me. Luke apparently in some early versions of the story was going to be played by a little person. Mm-hmm. I and think I heard Uncle that Owen one. And Aunt Beru were going to be little people. And the line from Leia, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper?" was kind of a, a carryover from that version of the script. <laughs> so I thought that was fun. George Lucas loves his diminutive characters. He really he does. does. Ewoks and Willow and, I think it's because he's a shorter man himself. It's here's a fun here's a fun one that since we're on the subject of little people and Derek and I were just talking about it. The you said Willow, but um, Warwick 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 Davis. I cannot say that guy's name. He was only 11 years old when he got to play Wicket in Return of the Jedi, and it was because Kenny Baker, who plays R two D two, was supposed to play Wicket and ended up getting sick. So, um, cool little story for Warwick Davis getting to be. Uh, Wicked in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and I was uh, telling Trent when we were talking about this earlier, I'll throw this little bit in because it goes along with that, is that uh, that he was a fan of Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, and he wrote a very sweet letter that you can actually, he's he's shared online before to George Lucas asking if there was any way possible that he could get a set of the Star Wars toys for Return of the Jedi, and George Lucas being the awesome guy he is, obliged and sent them to him. I would have asked for the same thing, in lieu of too. money even, probably. <laughs> yeah. Which also, I'm, I plan on, we're watching Return of the Jedi tonight to finish because we've watched uh, Star Wars and Empire the last two nights. Um, so to celebrate May the 4th, we're going to finish up with Return of the Jedi. And I'm going to pay special attention to Wicket now, knowing that that's an 11-year-old kid in there because that's a really awesome performance. Yeah, he did great. Kid. Um, he's, he's a talented actor. People don't give him the credit he deserves. Exactly. So I'm going to pay extra attention to Wicket tonight when we watch that. Um, speaking of Return of the Jedi, some famous directors that almost directed it before Richard Marquand include um, David Lynch, who I think turned it down, according to George Lucas, offered it to him and he turned it down. Uh, David Cronenberg and then Steven Spielberg was actually a big um, one of the top contenders to direct it. It's a fun fact. And then the last one I have written down here, uh, we may have some others, but the last one I had to put in here, it it involves Liam Neeson, and I'm a big Liam Neeson fan, so I had to give him a shout-out. Apparently, when he was cast as Qui-Gon in Phantom Menace, he was so tall, and I guess they had already built a lot of the sets, that they had to go back and rebuild the sets to accommodate Liam Neeson, who was 6'4", and apparently it cost the movie an extra $150,000 production <laughs> budget just to go back and rebuild sets because he was so tall. I thought that was awesome. What I think is funny about that, not to not to go off on a tangent here, is I'm six foot four. That's That doesn't seem tall enough. That it's not they monstrous have... by any means. It's a <laughs> That's fairly... relatively average at this yeah. point. I'm surprised that they didn't accommodate for a taller Lucas actor. Lucas and his diminutive actors, I guess. Because I, <laughs> I want to see much... how tall Ahmed Best was with that Jar Jar hat that he had on when they were filming, if you've seen those scenes. Well, that uh, plus Peter Mayhew was like seven foot two. You'd think that they would have... Yeah, you think they would have had an idea. Granted, you know, Chewie wasn't in those uh, in those until episode three. But well, I just meant from experience with the yeah. old movies. But yeah, that's I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, you thought, well, Vader's not in this, and Chewie's not in this. We can just build the sets <laughs> for people that are five ten and under. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. With all that down and out of the way, guys, this has been our Star Wars Spectacular. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope everyone has a great time on this May the 4th, on this wonderful Star Wars Day. Take some time. Watch The Bad Batch. The uh, the oversized episode is out today. We're going to be talking about that this weekend on the main show, so make sure you tune back in on that. Follow us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all of our updates. Send us an email, like I said earlier, at paperweightent at yahoo.com. And uh, if you have a comment or concern or question, if it's got a comment, we'll put it on the show if it is uh, able to be put up here. So with all that being said, for Ian, Ian, Trent, I have been Derek. This has been the Paperweight Entertainment Podcast, May the 4th special. May the force be with you all. Good night. The force will be with you always.